Listeners, hello. This is the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland, a.k.a. Vertvik. You're right, Vic. And I'm Sean Holly, a.k.a. Sean Holly. I'm all right. You're right, Vic. You're going to be robotic. And- oh, I was just trying to be, I was just trying to be direct and to the point, Sean. You know, he was meander at the start. I was just going to get into it, do the things, do the news, do the scores, do the thing, and do the other thing, and fart about a bit, and do some other things, and then leave. But maybe not. Yeah. Should, we just, should we just go on like we normally do? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been? Yeah. We have been away for a while. Yeah, it's been a month. A whole yes. month, is it? It does, isn't it, really? And it, it, was my, it was my fault this time, for a change. What was that? Drop some mat. No, that was your joystick I just clattered into. Did you Ooh. drop your dignity? My dignity fell out of my trouser leg years ago, mate. <laughs> Funnily enough, when I started doing this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm me not too. sure how that happened. Well, the big thing is, the big thing I've been doing is Portland Retro Gaming Expo, PRGE, but I'm mm. going to do a little bit on that later on. So before, 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 before I went to America, to Oregon, I got bitten by something from hell. Ooh, I had three days off work. I don't know if it was a spider or a mosquito. You know, I react really badly to mosquito bites. Mm. I was taking to dog for a walk in the Crane Park near me. It's like a sort of foresty area, river and all that sort of stuff. I was wearing shorts because it was still quite hot then. And now it isn't, obviously. Mm. And um, I felt sort of something itchy on my leg. And I thought, oh, I just went past some nettles or something. It just touched me. And then I didn't think much of it. It was a little bit itchy. And next day I was at work and I was just scratching my leg. I thought, oh, that's a bit itchy. I pulled my trouser leg up and under my sock was the size of a pinball ball. A massive lump going on. There was another one on the other side of my leg and there's one on the other leg as well but not quite as big i went oh that doesn't look very good and i felt a bit sort of tired anyway under the weather so i rang up the doctor straight away and said oh emergency appointment i've been bitten by something horrible it looks a bit bad went in a couple of hours later but i went off work and said i'm not doing this i went home from work went to the doctors i had an antihistamine and by that time about an hour or so it had gone down a little bit but the doctor just said oh it's just an infected bite and i just Mm. felt rough and rotten for three days i had three days off in the end just felt really sort of, you know, sort of fluey when you don't get the the coughs and the, and the sneezy, snotty things. You just feel really sort of drained, like all your mm. life force has been sucked out of you. I felt like oh, that. So yeah. I was just just worn out. My wife, my wife just said to me, "Look, don't go in. You need to recover. You just look terrible." And I just sort of like all flimsy and flippy flappy. You could have just like slapped me with a feather and I fell, fell over. Was it an IPA mosquito that had injected you with IPA? Oh, no. That would have just tasted soapy and horrible. But no, it just felt, I don't know what it was. I don't know what bit me. I mean, normally, I've had it before one summer, a couple of years ago. I got bitten at a, a garden party we were at, like a barbecue kind of thing. And I just went all flimsy and just pathetic. I could hardly move. Couldn't hardly think. I had to go lie down for like four hours. I just, I don't know what it is. I, just, I think it just react really badly to bites. That's all it is. God. Nibbly, nibbly, nasty, pointy beaked, flappy things, buzzy. That's exactly what they sound like. After that, though, better than that was Cambridge Arcade Experience Three. Yo, I forgot all about that. Oh, you you missed something, mate. Because you were with your mate, weren't you? Mm. There are loads of cool people there. I helped load in the arcade machines. I got roped into that while I sort of volunteered uh, from Ian Ski's van. And I took my along my little uh, Konami multi-ISIS with the, the multi-Konami Phil Murray board in there. Plays all the mm-hmm. really cool games. And also, I had, a, I had a switcher in there. 
and I had a 60-in-1 set to Mr. Do's Castle, which was the game of that week, or the week before. Mm. So Chris CMP had a good go on that, and he was really good at it again. And I also had, at the Cambridge Computer Museum, there was uh, another building I'd never been in before, and I could see from the outside there was some cool stuff inside. You could see through the windows some monitors and some old computers and stuff. And I said to Will, who was one of the guys organising, I said, oh, can I have a look in there? He said, oh, yeah, we've got to get some machines out of there later on. Come in with me. So I did. There were so many CRT screens in there and just really old computers. I spotted two. Um, is it an IMSI, the blue one with the blinky lights on the front? That's IMSI 8080. Am- no, it's an IMSI. Fools. It's an Altair. I don't know. It's one of them old ones. There's two of those in there. There's about I've counted about five or six Commodore Pets. They're really old groovy pets, mm. and there's just tons of stuff in it. Which it was pets? Is it like is it like Nintendo Pets? No, no. These are Commodore Pets. Mm. They very do nice. look very cool. They're the cool, coolest looking retro machine ever, aren't they? They are really good. The, the industrial designers is excellent, but the the they had a, a really nasty little. Um, they call it a chiclet keyboard. Tiny little keyboards that the early ones had. They were terrible. They were almost as bad as the ZX81, mm. almost. I spoke to some nice people I'd met before. Um, they were all loving Rescue on the ISIS because it plays on the Konami Multi. And I played, uh, and also, you know, we was doing sort of Mr. Do. I was playing some other Universal games after. I should try some odd, older Universal games. Everyone knows Mr. Do in those sort of games. And then later on, you had like Jumping Jack and those cool things like that. But I tried some ones that were a bit odder, like Devil Zone. You ever played that Devil Zone? I remember the name. I remember the name. It's a you put here. It's a Space Firebird ripoff. It's not a very good one. I, I don't even like Space Firebird very much. This is a sort of poor ripoff of it. It's mm. not. It's not got those really cool effects that Space Space Firebird has. Uh, Mister Do's Wild Ride, which I've never played before, never really given it much time because I thought it was. It looks a bit too busy for me, but it's a really good little game. It is quite busy though. It's manic. That's the roller coaster one, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. You can sort of you can jump, you can climb the ladders for the roller coasters that go under you. You got to watch they don't hit you at the top, and you got to get to the different ladders and get the different things as you go around the roller coaster. It's a really cool little game. I quite like it. We will cover that one in the future. I'm sure of it. I'm sure, someone will ask mm. for that. We'll have to do the Mister Do trilogy. It's not a trilogy, is it? There's four games in there. There's Run Run as well. Yeah, Run Run is quite. I like Run Run. That's a good little game, but it's a horizontal mm. game, that one. I also played um, Galaxy Wars, which is like a 1978-1979 game. It's a bit like Space Launcher or yes, Luden Rescue. It's a bit like that. But it's a, all you do is you, you fire your avatar, which is a rocket, into the aliens. That's all you do. There's no, there's no going up and coming back down again or, or dodging. You sort of dodge the, the asteroids as you go up and dodge their fire and you just kill them at the top. It's... It's a bit dull, but strangely therapeutic to play. Ooh. Mm. Calms me down. Like a like a massage from a buxom wench. Maybe. <laughs> what else would we do? Uh, oh, I really wish that Mrs. Dynamite... Have you ever seen Mrs. Dynamite before? No. It's an undumped game from Universal, a really early game. And I've seen some video play of someone who found a machine... And it looks kind of like kind of like a maze game, but a bit like Mister Bomb, uh, Mister Bomber, Bomberman, mm-hmm. a little bit like that, right. but really uh, way before Bomberman, I think. Yeah, so that looks really good. Hopefully, it'll be dumped soon if it's not already, and check out on a new version of Main. But I haven't, I'm not really up on the ROMs at the moment, but I will look into that. So, what have you been up to in the last month? 
Well, I've, I've been doing loads, loads. Darwin Booze Quest 2019 with my old mate Laurie, who used to go out around Darwin. Black, uh, it's, a, it's a little little town next to Blackburn, which is now more popular uh, booze-wise. And we had a very good night out, got in about 4am, a little bit drunk. And I've put here the Explain the Beer Token. Remembered it right in the early 90s. Yeah. Used to go used to have a load of beer and then when you're getting fairly drunk you say whose round is it i said i don't know it's yours don't know it's yours so what we used to have you used to have this little token so you said buy a buy a round give yeah. this token to the other guy and then whose round is it don't know you look in your wallet if the token is in there it's, it's your, your round. round and you get the round. very so, clever so that's the beer token and we actually got to that stage i found a little some kind of Chinese coin. I don't know where I got that from. It was in my wallet anyway. I know. I know where I got that from. Whitby. And we yeah, because Chinese coins are obvious in Whitby, aren't they? Yeah. Well, you actually, you put put it around your neck and it's for good luck and, and well wishes to all mankind. Of course. So it, it actually worked. So we we did that. That was great. And then we were very poorly the next day, but that was Uh-oh, good. Oh, that serves <laughs> you right, son. Self-inflicted, I, that. I was all right, actually. I was, I was drinking water for the last two or three drinks. I thought... That is you know, a good idea. Good idea. I, I thought, I'm sensible now. I've had enough. I've had 27 pints. No, you're I've, not. I'll have three three bottles of water. Yeah, that <laughs> and, helps. And guess what? What, hey, bit, bit, bit. what ooh, else? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mrs. Holly, Mrs. Jan Holly, is working somewhere. Guess where she's working? Uh, as a, as an astronaut. NASA. Houston. No, very close. Uh, she's working at an ten- arcade club. Oh, I was going to say she's a tennis ace. She's working at arcade Mate. club. Yeah, she's doing admin. But does she outrank you? Seeing as you're like number one no. floor sweeper, I am. I am her boss, which is great. Oh, that's going to cause some friction, isn't it? <laughs> nope, no friction there. No friction at all. And you will respect my authority. So that is nice. So when I come again, then will I be able to see her? Is she behind the scenes? Well, she's she's working through the during the day, just part time at the minute. But it's going to pick up, I think. So by the time the arcade opens, she'll be gone home normally. Will she know so, how to sort your screen out if your arcade machine goes bad? Not really. Oh, we'll get her get her promoted or something so she can fix screens and joysticks and that. She can send an email to someone that can. Mm. and the, there is some other things i've done oh, i've been down to see my mum that's i go down in one day now so it's 180 miles down stay with my mum in the care home for like six or seven hours and then 180 miles back Ooh. so that was yesterday so i was knackered last night that's but, a long um, one I'm all right. yeah yeah she's all right she's not going to get any better bless her but she's in a safe comfortable place yeah, as so. long as she's comfy yeah yeah, yeah. I have done some other stuff, Vic. I can't remember what. Uh, it's been a month. Oh, it? I don't know. I don't know things. Things and stuff. Yeah, I've been out on some nice walks and things around woods and trees. Any new stuff at the arcade club of, of significance? There's a big announcement coming soon, which I can't Ooh. say, or I'll get sacked to death. Sacked to but, death. Yes, yeah, by Jan. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, by the end of this month, there'll be an announcement. Nice. You can tell me later. Okay. There is a little bit of news. I've got a bit of news. Um, on archive.org, there's a really nice, I found these, a really nice collection of Japanese arcade stroke console stroke handheld magazines from the 80s, all in Japanese. But there's some amazing pictures on there. Um, I 
would say, because we've got quite a lot to cover in this issue of our podcast, and we're doing two games, and I've got to talk about PRGE, there's loads of stuff to look at on the website. So have a look on www.10pencearcade.co.uk and have a look at our clickable links on there. There's a bunch of pictures on there and loads of links for these cool stuff. These magazines, which are in a PDF format, are a must-look. They're really good. They'll keep you going for ages. There's so many cool things in there from the 80s, and a lot of them are Japan only. I think that might have been where I found some of these weird Universal games that weren't released, like Mrs. Dynamite, and I think there's one called Mr. Gunman as well, Mm. which looks a bit like um, Gunfight, but different. I never played it because I don't think it's ever released. I think it's still undumped, so that's that's worth what I look at. There is a, a main undumped site somewhere. I've got, I've got it in my favourites, and it, it it lists a lot of games that are not in MAME. Like yeah, those two are, are on there, actually. few early Universal ones, yeah. Well, hopefully the person who was in the video I watched playing uh, Mrs. Dynamite has access to the board, and they can dump the ROMs. That'd be really cool. Because I'm actually on a Universal Facebook group now, because I like Universal games a lot. And they cover some of the odder games. These are like grey old games that people can't find. And I think people are finding paperwork and, and some PCBs now. And hopefully, because mm. they're really old um, ROMs as well, at like 2708s, at like 1K ROMs, they're quite difficult to dump because a lot of the modern um, EEPROM burners can't read them because they're too old. You need a really old version of it. Talking of Universal... I did find a history and demise of Universal, um, and it's on—it's just a Wikipedia page. But I'll put the link on the website for people to have a look at. It's quite interesting. They sort of got to like 1985, and they released a laserdisc game, and they were going to release a bunch of laserdisc games, and then all of a sudden they went kaput. So you could say it's a laserdisc game that killed them. I don't know. Maybe it's just you know, after the crash and no one was buying games anymore. But yeah, they sort right. of went downhill. But yeah, they sort of right. fell apart in 1985, which is a shame because they had some really good games, the early ones. Arcade news. NQ64 in Liverpool, another arcade bar kind of thing opened up. I had a quick look on the Facebook page. It's mostly 90s games. I'm really not interested in, in the slightest. Racers, shooters, Street Fighter type games, you know, that sort of thing. Some pinballs. Uh, I saw a few LCD screens and some of the stroke classic machines uh galaxian and pac-man of course staples of an arcade bar some news is the uk vac meetup at leeds which i I didn't i couldn't get to because obviously i was working because i'd i'd had the previous week off to go on the beer token booze up but it it sounds like it was really good and i watched a couple of videos i'm upset i didn't meet a load of the lads like we, we always we always loved that one, didn't we? The, the last yeah, couple. Yeah, it's because it was in Leeds. You obviously couldn't brilliant. go; otherwise, it would have been at the at the Berry one. Yeah, yeah so it was a shame. Alex sent me some pictures and stuff, and there's quite the usual faces there. They were actually having a really good time. So that's pretty mm. cool. I was obviously in America, so couldn't really do that. Oh, talking of Alex, well, what a segue that is. Alex Chucky Egg stroke Nintendo Arcade, our mate, uh, past podcaster with me is planning a UK VAC South meetup, because most of the meetups are usually up north, as in Leeds and stuff like that, uh, near his hometown of Tame in Buckinghamshire. Uh, for some time, he's aiming for early May next year. And I will have more info as Alex feeds it to me. I'll be taking a cab or two over myself. I have had a quick look at the venue he's planning to use, 
and it looks really nice. That's all I can say at the moment. It looks really, really good. Um, oh, that'd be great. So hopefully you can get down for that as well. Yeah, It'll yeah, obviously definitely. be on a weekend. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's, I'll keep you informed of that one. It's only May. It's only six, seven months away. Not far. Oof, that'd Oof. be good. That'd be good. Uh, some news in the, the Arcade Sidekick app. There's now clubs, right? So yeah, uh, Rich, the program has done a ten pence arcade club. So if you join the club and say we're playing Magical Spot. All the scores from that club will be in that in that listing, that high score listing. Yeah, and we are the most popular club on there at the moment. I updated my app earlier. If you haven't updated your yeah. app, do it. It's changed quite a lot now because I didn't realise. Yeah. I haven't used it for a little while, but it's changed quite a bit. And I put my score for Rooty Tooty, which is the second game we're doing this week. Mm. So that's pretty cool. I reckon we should include the scores on our score submissions. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, well, I haven't done this time, but next time, if they're in, if you put a score and you're in the 10p club, we'll include it. So you don't have to put it on Twitter or Facebook or email us. It's also, you can just use arcade kick, kick in the side. What do you like, Vic? A kick inside. Kick inside. I'll tell you what you could do. Get Oof. Mrs. Holly to do all the admin. Yeah. Yeah. She'll go, be admin go tell right her She'll be right pleased about that, as well as work. Mm. Ten Pence Archives. This is the Ten Pence Arcade Archives, where we look at a past podcast and play the game on that podcast and see what we think of it now. So I went back to Amidar. 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 Ar. That's another pirate. What, what's what's Rygar's favourite game? Amidar. Ar. Probably. Ar. Anyway, that was podcast seventy nine from January twenty seventeen. And it's there's still something about it that I love. You can predict the enemy patterns, mm. but when it gets so manic, when you when you get to the when the, the stage when there's six of the like the Zulu guys coming down or coming up at you, you it's really hard to track which direction they're going to go. That's where but the skill two, comes in, isn't it? If you've got two brains like Charlie Farr, you can. Yeah, that's what he's in. He's like he's like a Doctor Who, but instead of yeah. two hearts, he's got two brains. I think he has. Yeah. Mm. But I, I still really love it, but I'm not very good at it. But it similar keeps bringing me back to that. That was the game I absolutely hated. And when we played it, I still hated it. So if you listen back to that one, you'll have me <laughs> going at it. Um, but since then, it's on the Konami multi-hardware. I have gone back and tried it, and I really like it now. I think I think something just clicked with me a little bit. And it got me... I'm not very good at it. I think like 40,000 is probably my best. And something clicked, and it made me play it a little bit longer, and I could play it for a bit better. And I quite like it now. In fact, I really like it. It's a good game. Mm, It is good. I enjoyed it. Well, that podcast was just after I'd been to the EAG show for the first time. And that's when I first saw the massive Gallagher and Pac-Man. So they've been out like two years now, over two years. It's nearly three years, those big things. Mm. And was it a Frogger that's just been released on those big screens? Oh, it could be. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure it was a Frogger that was released recently. We also reported at the time on that physical Pong table that came out. Mm. And I, I was offered one by the people doing it at the time for £900. Probably as like a sort of deal to, to review it and stuff. I can't remember now. But... I, I couldn't have it. I had the money and I couldn't have it because I didn't really have the room and I thought, no, that's a bit big, that sort of thing. But 
I really regret not having the space to keep it somewhere because it is a really nice machine. Instead of electronic screens like you would imagine a video game to be, it uses magnets and uh, rack and pinions and gears and pulleys and it moves physical blocks around the screen. So the the ball is a block, like a sort of one and a half inch cube of I think mm. wood or plastic and your bats are like, I don't know, four or five inch long oblongs of cube and you move your cubes around with a spinner and you, you play against each other and it's got all sorts of lighty up bits. I think you can, it's got chargers on it. You can play MP3s through it for your own music and it, it, all the, the lights move in time with it. And it's quite a, a real funky sort of multimedia kind of thing. I really like it. And I was looking to see if they, if they got any further with it. Cause I've never seen one in a physical one, even any arcade America or the UK. And I was thinking, oh, maybe they sort of went down. Maybe they didn't do very well out of it, but. The Facebook page is gone, but I did find their webpage. And a company linked to their site was selling them for over $4,000. And that's with a delivery. God. A lot of money. And mm. there's also um, a working arcade version as well, which has got a coin mech on it. So you can actually put it in clubs and pubs and bars and charge money for it. So I presume that's probably even more expensive. Usually when they put a coin mech on it, it adds 200 quid to it anyway, because you can make money out of it. Mm. Now, the game I got into again... I've been into it all the time. I won't excuse myself for playing it again. Is Turtles. The original Stern Konami Turtles. Not Ninja, Ninja Mutant Knobhead Turtles. I'm talking just Turtles. <laughs> Podcast number 50. This was December 2015. Long, long time ago. Nearly four years ago. Is there a Mama Turtle in it? There's a Mama Turtle. You play a Mama Turtle getting your babies off the roof of the, <laughs> roof of the building. And there's loads of bugs flying around after it. It's a really cool little game. Weird little game. Excellent maze game with a kind of odd twist on it where you can sort of drop bombs behind you to get the bugs and it sort of slows them down and turns them from being manic bugs to less manic bugs to quite dopey bugs and uh, <laughs> I had a quick go the other day on the Konami Multi again I've got I've actually got two boards of it I think um, but I'll play it on there because it's easy it's in a cab and you, you you need the stick set to four way as, as in most maze games and it's just really I got to low I got 15,000 points it's a low scoring game which is about level six and I think I've only one seed seed it once, and that's when I got my best ever score of twenty two thousand odd. It's such a really, it's a cheery, lovely game with clever maze mechanics and near perfect difficulty curve. It just gets harder and harder and harder, so it gets quite mad at the end. And I would love a full size dedicated cab of this. You remember? Oh, I think it was before. I think it was the first time I went to Underground Retrocade. They had a Turtles machine right by the door. As I came in, I went, oh, Turtles, when I met Scott for the first time. And I think mm. they were just putting it, I think it was just a shell at the time, they were just putting it together. And it wasn't there, I don't think, when we went back, so I would definitely would have played it when we went together. Mm. But I'd love, I'd love a full-size machine. I'd actually make room for that machine. But I've never, ever seen one in the UK. I don't think anyone's got one over here, as far as I know. If you have... Contact me with some pictures. I'd love to see it. And that time of 2015, we went, we went to the Winter Warmer Revival. Remember that? We had a big battle over the um, cocktail space launcher. Oh, yeah. yeah it was in that, that big long ago. kind of clubby hall thing, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it was, a, it was. I think it was even snowing at the time because it was December. Yeah, it was a good day, that. Right then, Sean. Let's talk about PRGE, Portland Retro Game and Expo, uh, and Portland, Oregon, which I was at last week sometime. Now, to kick off... Right, get into it. Strap in, kids. The plane journey, <laughs> right? Before we even get to Portland, we're at Heathrow. The plane journey was not great. 
put it this way. We got into the plane at the correct time at 9.30 a.m. Plane was still on the runway at 11 a.m. Uh, eventually, turfed off the plane and had to wait for the next one at 4 p.m. We actually left six and a half hours late, near, near to seven hours late, because there was yeah. something wrong with the, the, the weather radar in the cone, the nose cone of the plane. And we're going to try and replace it. And they couldn't, basically. They didn't have the bits for it, I don't think. So we're all turfed off. We had to go and wait most of a day doing absolute bugger all because we've got through security. There's not a lot to do apart from sit around. So we finally get on the plane. Everything takes off, no problem at all. Get to Seattle. Um, and then there's a three-hour drive to Portland. So we had to go and get the hire car. And then wife had to drive three hours. We got to bed. We got to Portland. We got to Kevin Savitz, my friend and podcaster, and his wife's house. Uh, we got there, and after talking to him for a little while, we got to bed after being awake for over 24 hours. That was fun. God, not good. It, it was a long, old journey. I slept like a dead log. Ooh. Not Ed Log, creator of Astros. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh, you beat. Oh, yes. Way. So, on the Friday, because we got there Thursday, on the Friday, next day, we didn't have much time to mess about. Next day, Arcade Day, which is the Arcade Day and the Vendor Area Setup Day. So it was just the arcade open. There was a big wall in the, in the the big hall, room, whatever you want to call it. Massive place. A big wall with doors in it. And I got to sneak in. Uh, there was a, a tiny, fierce security troll. And she would not let us in. She had a... So Kevin's got had a green pass because he was doing a talk with some Atari people, and I had a normal sort of standard one uh, white pass, and he sort of went in. So we'd already been in in the morning. We came back in the afternoon to have a look, another look when the sort of more vendors had, had got their stuff set up, and he said, "Oh, we, we, can we just take some stuff in, please?" Because he was he was actually selling something with one of the vendors. He had some stuff to sell, and he showed his green pass, and she said, "Oh, you can go in, but he can't." And like, talking about me, and Kevin sort of said, "Well, he's helping me." And she says. And then she, we sort of went, oh, okay, walked away. And as we were walking away, she goes, he cannot go in. We went, yeah, all right, all right. So we walked off to another entrance and sneaked in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that balls to you, security troll lady. And uh, she was really sort of really fierce about it. I was like, hold on a minute. It's, Jesus. So we got in. We had a good look round. Trolls uh, are fierce, though. They are. They are. Yeah, they're, they're short, but they're fierce. Yeah. Now the area the vendors were in was massive. It's absolutely huge. Um, I think I've got a picture that Kevin took from above because it was a little area we could go to where the sort of the, the vips were, and he took a picture down down onto it. And it was, it's massive. Absolutely, it's the biggest area I've seen. It's probably that area is bigger than Nurg altogether. Just the vendor area. Mm. It's massive. So the arcade, which was open all day. Uh, and the console area is a nice mix of mainly Golden Age games, sort of 80s, with a small, delicate sprinkling of Bronze Age stuff and a healthy amount of post-crash games with gun, fighty, 90s stuff for the kids. I even <laughs> saw a Space Fever table, which is unusual for the US. Now, here's a weird one I noticed there, because as well as the sort of obvious games you think of, I saw a, a, a thing called a Meteorites cabinet. Have you ever played Meteorites before? I think I've heard of it, yeah. No, yeah. there's there's a game called Meteors, which is mm. an exact bootleg of Asteroids, but Meteorites yeah. is an odd vertical raster ripoff of Asteroids. It's a really odd game, kind of janky, 
But fun that I saw. I'm not sure if it's an original cab or someone made the cab up from something else, but there's some pictures on the website of it. Now, I played a game called Spectar there, which is Spectar, which is very like Targ. I'm not sure which one came first, Targ or Spectar, but apparently they're very, very similar games, but the same people. So it's sort of like one was a sequel of the other. I'm not sure which way around it went. But that was the game I had the cabaret off. I bought off of Will at the Cambridge, one of the Cambridge meets. But it had already been gutted and it had um, Kung Fu Master in it. But he gave me all the bits as well. And I sold it to a guy in Italy, all, all the bits inside of it, like the board, the weird joystick, I think the marquee and some other bits and modern wiring and stuff. And I sold it to him, and the guy was really pleased about it because he had a cabaret he was doing up, and he didn't have all these bits. So I sold them to him. But it's an odd, um, it's an odd maze game with cars. If you kind of think of Crash or oh, what was the name of it? Um, Head On. It's kind of like that, but more fun. Mm. It's more of a sort of maze rather than ones you can't get out of. It's sort of like a a grid of mazes, and you can shoot the other cars, and they're trying to crash into your time. Yeah, I know. I know them. I think one's a big improvement on the other, but I think they're both 1980 games. Yeah, they're really early, but Spectre was the mm. one I played there, and it had horrendous screen burn, which is the mach- the machine I had had horrendous screen burn in it as well. And it kind of looks like a Spectrum game, because I think there's only two or three colours on screen. It's, it's very sparse colours, and a lot of Blue the graphics green, are monochrome. Yeah, I think yeah. You, you do get, I think the red cars are chasing you, and you get yellow and green ones, you get more points for later on. But it's got a, a comedy, an insanely massive comedy joystick. The ball top must be about an inch and a half, nearly two inches in diameter. It's massive. It's got a really thick shape, so it's a really heavy thing and one button. But the game plays really well. I was really surprised. I had loads of goes on it as well. You can really get quite, quite into it in the end. You get Yeah, it's actually quite an addictive game when you get into it. I was just playing. I wasn't playing with anyone else, just playing on my own. And when you do a level, you get a thousand points, and it says in really massive blocky screen letters, a thousand, and then two thousand, three thousand. So you can get quite a big score up. I really enjoyed it. It's quite a good game. We, we'll have to do it one day, but it'll be what I was thinking, Sean, as well. When we do a simple mm. game, you know, like an early mm. game that's not got a lot to it, we should do two games like it. You reckon? Rather like the Pie Factory guys do, but when we've got an involved game that's got a good history. You know, tactics, secrets, loads of stuff to it, which we can talk about. We'll just do one on its own. But when we've got a simple game, you know, like a quick shooty game or a quick maze game, we'll do two. So we have to fit it in. Because otherwise, the podcast would be quite short. And it's not really a lot to get into. That would mean one of us keeping track on two score tables instead of one. Yes. But you've got a little assistant for that who works at Arcade Club now. I don't think she'd have time to do 10 pence stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Any road up, that was a good game, and it's one we're going to do in the future. I played a full-size kangaroo. I still love that game. It's janky as heck, but I like it. Janky-roo. Janky-roo. Uh, the usual Donkey Kong cabs there. They had Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong, Ju- uh, Donkey Kong Jr. They had Donkey Kong 3. They even had a Pauline edition, which is the pink one where you can play Paul yeah. rather than the other way around. It's really cool. It's a nice little cab. I play quite a lot of Phoenix on the US buttons control cab, because my cab I've got, I've got a Taito trim line, has got a joystick. And the ones we had in the UK normally had a joystick and buttons. But the, mm. the, the US one 
has got buttons. So left, right buttons and fire and shield. So I obviously got the high score on it because I know how to play the game properly. Not a lot of people do. And uh, I still can't get used to them joy- the, the buttons, though. It's a bit weird playing like that. I prefer joystick any day of the week. Yeah, it's not as I don't think you can play as well with the buttons. Maybe some people can, I can't. It's because we're not used to it, yeah. So I briefly mm. said hello to Whitney, who's the one of the hosts of the Broken Token podcast, and his mate Jim, who's also a recent host of the Broken Token podcast. He took over Whitney's uh, role for one week. He was a nice okay. guy as well. Both of those were skulking in the Marco Pimble area. I saw Mike Vinicara as well from Stern. I said hello to him. Oh, yeah, we saw him, didn't we, last year? Yeah, We did. I managed to get to play some games and talk with Whitney later on, uh, which was also very pl- a good pleasure. Bless his heart. Sad there was no Brent, though. Bless his heart as well. Good old Brent. Bless the bless them all. Never leaves Kentucky, or not for long. Come on, Brent, we want to see you at some of these shows, mate. So, Saturday, next day, this is the big event day. Now, my first job was to locate a decent place for the quarter arcades I have with me. I took... A Pac-Man and a Gallagher, the new quarter arcade game with me. Because I was mm. trying to help out Numskull a little bit by getting some expo- exposure in the US. So I thought this, this show would be quite good. And they realised I was going over there and asked me kindly if I could do it. So I took them in my suitcase. They survived the suitcase journey. The, the getting on the plane, getting off the plane, getting on the plane, and getting off the plane again. <laughs> so we took them there, and I had to find somewhere to put them, because Kevin had uh, a friend who was doing a stand somewhere, but he wasn't sure they could take them for me. So what I did is I met a cool cabinet builder on the Friday, a guy called Matt Sengbush. hope I've got his last name right. And he's from a company, his own company, called Small Change Arcade. Now, mm. he makes small arcade machines, which are about, about 40% the size of a real cab, but... His creations have small CRT screens in and real arcade PCBs in them. There's no LCD, Pandora's box, Raspberry Pi, 61 kind of thing. Shenanigans. Shenanigans going on. These are, he uses like, you know, the little eight inch PVM screens. He uses those in some of his cabs. And they had a 1942, they're one of those in. And it was absolutely lovely. It's really, really nicely built. You can tell this guy put a lot of time and effort into these and they're one offs. So he had a, a 1942 shaped like a low boy. You know the Australian low boys with the really laid-back screens? It was one yeah, of those, but yeah. 40% of the size of one. It was lovely. He had a Tetris two-player and a Donkey Kong. And he can make them on commission, but they are very expensive. They're just one-offs. There's a couple of, couple of kids there who were sort of asking about them, if they could buy one. And he sort of said a really high number to put them off, really, because I don't think he's doing it as a commercial venture in making them at least and what his business is is renting them out to shows and exhibitions so if you've got a big party on like a you know, corporate event you can hire his little machines out and put them on a stand and and play them uh check out his website in our notes they are on the website Ooh. now the show now on the saturday is at full size um and what they did is when we walked when i walked in i didn't realize they'd removed the wall which was hiding all the vendor stuff they can actually get rid of the wall it must be like a modular room and mm. the place was just massive. It just seemed even larger with that thing opened up. Uh, it took ages to walk around all the stores. It took me and Kevin like nearly an hour just to walk around, and that was going quickly. And there's so much stuff to look at. It was just un- unreal. I think I must have missed half of it, actually. Is it busy? Um, oh, really, really busy, yeah. Yeah, massively so. There was, there was thousands. Like- like, I don't know how many people were there. I might be able to find some figures, actually, how many people actually turned up for it. There was tons and tons of people there. 
because like Nerg and like when Nerg's full up, it's like nine hundred people. But this this is probably like is it like five thousand? Don't know if really? it's that many, but there was a lot of people, especially on the Saturday, because obviously it was the the most uh, the biggest day. There were ten thousand attendees at PRG. As most video game sales areas, it was dominated by SNES carts. That's nearly what mm. you see in the London gaming market. You always see loads loads of SNES carts. And obviously the SNES was quite a lot more uh, popular in America than the Mega Drive was or the Genesis. There was loads of odd US-only stuff, as well, which is obviously more common over there, which interested me because we don't get them over here. And it was surprising to see some high prices on stuff that I thought were two a penny in the US. So there's a, there's a thing called a Dogbone NES or NES Junior. Ever seen one of those? It's a little grey unit. With a sloped yeah. side to it, it's a really nice little thing, and I, I fancy one for myself because, you know, when I go to these shows, I never buy anything. I always want to—I go there with the intention I want to buy myself something, treat myself to something nice, and I never buy anything. It's never anything I want, and I quite fancy one of those. But the cheapest I could find one was a sort of a yellow Murray Mint one. It's eighty dollars, and there was a nice um, boxed Famicom version, which was the Japanese version, same machine, but it's in that Japanese version to take the smaller carts. And that was $180. And that was a bit too rich for my blood, son. Mm, the dog bones after the controller, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a little two rounded like... areas of the flat bit in the middle. So it looks like a little bone, you know, like a sort of comedy bone. Yeah. There was some really nice homebrew on the Atari Age store. And there's a stall also doing new Intellivision games, which were quite impressive. Some really, the, the things they've done with these basically 70s consoles. Is amazing. I don't know how they did it, but there's some really good games there, and they were all on on the Atari Age store on the online. You can buy just cart only because I bought a few 7800 cartridges a few years ago. I got Scramble and Bonk, which is basically Cuba, and you get the cartridge in a little mm. inlay sort of instruction manual. They're really nicely presented, but when you buy one from from the show, they just do the boxed ones. And they were quite expensive, like $40 or $50, some of them, but they're really nice, and they're brand new, beautiful-looking things that that looks like they were made in 1982. Really cool. <laughs> and they had all the games on, on TVs there playing. You could actually take a cartridge and pop it in and have a look at one, because I had a, a look at a... Um, a Warlords game. It was based on Warlords. It wasn't actually Warlords, but it was based on Warlords. And it had four player... You could play four players on it. And it was absolutely brilliant. It looked just like the arcade version. It's really, really good. So there's more arcade playing that day and a meet-up with... The Canadians. The Canadians. The Canadians. This was James Island Pirate, who... I, I stay in contact with a lot, actually. Uh, he's re, a re-laugh. And his mm. lovely wife, Sarah. Uh, so James had been to Grinkfest the week before at the Grinkers Arcade, I think is an Ohio? No, you Fruit Loop. It's in Idaho. Jeez. And he also grabbed me a lucky bag uh, from there containing a bunch of Grinkers Arcade items. He also got me some super rare, mega rares... Game Boy cartridges, which is now in an alarmed glass cabinet on display at the Tate Modern Art Gallery in London. I oh, donated nice. them. Yeah, yeah. That's good enough to do that. So James is an uncertified lunatic. In, in a good way. In a, in a good way. And Sarah is an absolute saint for being his carer. <laughs> so we all went to lunch at the Tarmac Factory. Now, you might think the Tarmac Factory is a fancy restaurant. No, it's actually a Tarmac Factory. His sat-nav is as mad as he is, 
and it decided to take us to an actual tarmac factory rather <laughs> than the decent taco place he had in mind. Harumph. We had substandard expo food instead when we got back, so we had to get back for Kevin Savitz's talk, which was with Joe DeCure, uh, who worked on the 2600, the Atari 800, and the Amiga, and also David Crane, who's the Activision game wizard extraordinaire. Yeah, he's, he's great, him, and he's done so much good stuff since Pitfall, and then little computer people and all that kind of stuff. Guy's an absolute genius, honestly. Uh, some of the games he's made over, and he's made even modern games as well for like the Game Boy and stuff, and up to up to modern day sort of Game Boy Advance stuff. And I think he might have even done phone games. But he's never really stopped, actually. But the the seminar was on the 40th anniversary of the Atari 800, and it was quite an interesting thing. Jody Cure had just so much knowledge about what happened back in like the, the late 70s when they were developing it. So it's quite interesting listening to that. But as the day was coming to a close after Kevin's talk, and Kevin was really good at it as well, he sort of supported those two those two experts and or professionals. And Kevin himself is an Atari historian. He's done loads of stuff with Atari and the history of it. And he's done like over three hundred interviews with Atari people. And like, you know, important people like the bosses of Atari and, you know, all these kind of people. And also people who worked on the shop floor at Atari and also who wrote programs for Atari, even just really obscure stuff. He's done loads and loads of interviews on the Antic mm. podcast, so try and get into those if you can. They're really good. Someone recognised me and actually came up to me and spoke to me as a podcaster. Guess who it was? Yeah. Greg Mariotti. He was there. Greg was there with his son. He's a lovely guy. He's a really nice guy. And we talked for a bit, and he's really super-duper cool bloke. He is not, actually... A mafia hitman, which I thought he was, with a name like Greg Mariotti. I can't even say it. Greg Mariotti. I can't even say it without doing Greg Mariotti. Does he speak like that? Though? No, not at all. He's a very nice cat, a very nice chap, oh, actually. And his son's really a nice did. lad as well. Yeah, it was really cool meeting him. I, I was hoping to see him again on Sunday, but I didn't see him. But there was a lot of people there. But I saw him on Saturday, but for him quite a while. Really, really nice guy. So as the day was coming to a close, I was supposed to go to one of the Coin Reject hosts, Arcade, uh, the Bathcade. This is Jordan. Bath? I think his name's Jordan Bath. Yeah. I met him briefly. He seems like a nice guy. And he's got a really, really cool arcade with, like, I think he's got all the Atari vectors in the arcade. Right. And I was supposed to go to a party they were having that night. I was going to go with James. He really wanted me to go, but I just felt rotten by the end of the day. I was I had a really bad headache because it was quite loud in the hall. And there was those lights mm. going on and, and arcade machines and talking. And I was just absolutely worn out. And I... Probably still a bit of jet lag from the night before anyway. So I was absolutely knackered by the time I got there. I just had to go back. My wife had to come and pick me up, actually. I felt rough as hell. Mm. I also met um, another one of the coin rejects the next day called Brian, who's a nice guy. And I've added their show to my podcast app. I haven't heard it. I've only gone back to work today on the Tuesday. I was quite busy at work today sorting things out. So I will listen to those guys in the future. See, I've, I've never heard them before. But they seem to know their arcade, so they should be pretty good. And I heard, also heard, that good old Walter Day had turned up the arcade party. I'm not sure if he crashed the place or he's invited. I don't know. You know what Walter's like? Mm, did you see him at the at the expo? Yes, I saw him Saturday. I was going to go and say hello to him, but I, he was busy doing some stuff, and I was wandering around the vendor area, and I didn't see him after that. So I would have gone and said hello to him, actually. I said, remember me? I'm on one of your cards. <laughs> yeah. I met him before. He's a lovely guy. On the Sunday, this was the sort of, as usual, the winding down day, and I think it was only up until 5 o'clock, um, so Friday, Friday and Saturday were actually 10 o'clock, but I didn't make it to 10 o'clock. I was just so, so worn out. 
So I met up with the crazy Canadians again. We had another plod around the vendor hall looking for getting gems to buy. James bought a homebrew Warlords game, that one I was talking about earlier, for 2600 And I just got some stickers from the place, actually. But I did buy something nice on Saturday, which I'll tell you about in the pickup section. Mm-hmm. I really fancied that Ness Junior. And I just, just couldn't get it. Just I looked and looked, but I couldn't find one. I was going to pay up to about $50 for it, maybe $60. Couldn't find one. Not at that price. So what Kevin's going to do is look out for one from the Goodwill shops, which is like the sort of charity shops in America. They're huge. And he's going to keep an eye out for yeah. one for me. So hopefully he'll find one. So yeah, Sunday we just sort of, just sort of, I got there a little bit later, sort of lunchtime-ish, because I had brunch in the morning with Kevin and Peace and, and Waff. And uh, it was basically just a wind down and meet, meet up with James and Sarah again, actually. Hopefully see if we can see him track down Whitney, but I only saw him very, very briefly. Um, so yeah, it was just wandering about Sunday, played some games. And uh, there were a few arcade PCBs there, you know. Some guy was selling some arcade PCs, and he actually had a he had an Omega Race control panel with a weird spinner on it. It's like a weird smooth spinner. And mm. I sort of said to him, "Where's the rest of the arcade machine?" And I think it was a spare he had or something from years ago, and he bought a better one or something. But the games he had, he had he actually had Mister Do's Castle for sale, right? Which I'm hopefully going to get on a multi kit before long because someone I know is doing a universal multi kit. Hopefully, that'd be good to go on there. It was nice to see some boards. Though. Another another place which was near the the DJ booth was selling some arcade PCs. It was like um, the Neo Geo 64 system, which I've had before and never ever played. The games on it were a bit of a flop, actually. They were selling some of those and they were fixing other boards as well. DJ system? Yeah, there was like a big DJ sort of area where people were playing like, you know, old, old 80s music and stuff and chip tunes and stuff like that. It was really loud near that. I think that's what did my head in most of the time. It was good music, <laughs> but it was just too loud. You know what I mean? It's when mm. you go to these shows, I don't think they need extra music. I think the sound of people talking and the machines playing is enough. Because when you've got the loud music on and you've also got lots of arcade machines all together, you can't hear the game you're playing. And I like to hear what I'm playing. So it's a bit of a bit of a downer. I was I'm not I'm not a fan of loud music and stuff going on stage and announcements when you're trying to play and talk to each other. That banging Tekken ho. No, it wasn't really. It was sort of 80s sort of cheesy pop music, yeah. which was great. It's, it does fit the, the the venue and what was going on, but it was just too loud. And I, it's not me getting old. I think it's just, it doesn't add to the ambiance, the ambiance of the place. Mm-hmm. I think the game sounds would have done it because there was a massive console area next to the arcade as well. So, People probably couldn't hear what they were playing, which sort of detracts mm-hmm. from the games, really. I like to hear my games. Did they do Aha's Take On Me? I did hear that once or take twice. Take On Me. I think it goes like that, anyway. Do you know that guy, he was a cartoon, he kept slamming his head into a wall and he turned into a real a real boy. He's a real boy. That's what happens when you're a cartoon. Yeah. Never mind that. There was actually, where the con- where the cocktail cabinets were, which is sort of, off to the left from the DJ bit and all that lot, there was a load of cocktail cabinets. I think there was a there was a four player. Is it Hot Rod? I think Hot Rod was there. Some people playing that. You hear that tune and it's like it's a bubble bubble tune. It's in your head forever and a day. You can't get rid of it. And they had obviously the Space Fever I told you about earlier, which was a bit too red. The swim was going a bit funny. We had a good go on it. It's a good game. And they had a Astro Invader cocktail cabinet. In those sort of very similar midway stern type cocktails, you know, the taller cocktails, 
the ones we didn't get in the UK, we got the Japanese versions. But I've got one. I've got a Midway Space Invader, which is the taller one. Really nice cocktails mm. they are. Uh, there's Astro Invader. And do, do you know Astro Invader? Yeah, I get them all mixed up. The Stern one is called Astro Invader, and the, the Lijack mm. one is called Kamikaze. And it's the one where you've got you've got a big ship in the middle, and it fires down little space invaders, and they fill up the little tubes, mm, and then they fall it, down at yeah. you. When they hit the floor, a big explosion goes like like three or four characters to the side of them. So if you're near them when they, when they hit the floor, you, you blow up, and you've got to try and shoot mm. them in the things. It's a really cool little game, a really nice game. It's quite addictive. So I was playing that with um, James and Sarah, and Sarah really got into it, and he noticed that it was for sale, and I think he got. A bit of money off it because he knew the guy who was selling it. So I think he got it for like three hundred or three hundred and fifty dollars for a stern cocktail cabinet. Working, <laughs> it's an absolute bargain. Yeah. I mean, yeah. g- games in America are just so much cheaper. They really are. They're getting a bit pricier now than they used to be. Mm. But I said, if that was in the UK, I would have hunted that bloke down and ripped his arm off for that cocktail. Mm. Yeah. Such, a, such a nice little game, and she really likes it because her favourite game is Space Invaders. Right, so it's kind of a space invaders kind of game. She's quite good at it as well. But I got the high score. I think one of the coin rejects got a score on it, and I beat it by about a thousand. Ah, yeah. And Sarah has beaten that at home already. Feel my UK power. (laughs) So that was the Sunday, uh, and that was sort of the end of it. Really, I sort of bid farewell to James and Sarah. It's absolutely lovely hanging around with those. The absolute nuttery is, but in a really good way. Really nice a guy. Good a good nutter. A good nutter is a good nutter. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, I'll visit Canada one day and go and see him there. That'd be quite cool. On his own turf. I'd love to go. So Canada. On, I can't remember what day of the week it was. I actually got a chance to go to Ground Control, the really cool arcade in Portland. I've been to a couple of times before. Now, the first time I went to Ground Control, it was the smaller area, and it was on the left of the, the outside bit that you look into. And it was a really good old arcade. Loads of old arcade games. Really nice bar area. Cool lighty up chairs and tables. Really nice bathroom with... It's got like um, mosaic tiles on the floor of Pac-Man. It's really, really cool. And the next time I went, I was a bit disappointed because they closed the old place down and they were were expanding into next door, a much larger area. And the much larger area was sort of slightly more modern arcade. They had like 90s games in there. But what I did like is they had a 10-player Killer Queen which I'd never got even near to because it was so busy as usual. And the time I went when the old place was getting refurbished, I actually got to talk to Clay Cowgill, who's one of the owners of the place. And he's a very clever guy. He's done lots of stuff with PCBs before and arcade stuff and Vectrex as well. He's a really clever, nice nice guy and super nice to talk to. We talked for ages. And this time I went, I went on my own. And it was during the week. Was it was Tuesday or something. And it was quite quiet in the arcade, and I could have actually played Killer Queen, but I think mm. you need at least two to ten players to play it nicely. So I didn't play that. But I did play a bunch of other games in there, and some nice games, actually. I didn't spend too long in there, because I was on my own. There wasn't that many people around. And uh, the old next door is now fully refurbished and open again. So you sort of go in the front area, the new place, and you go through a sort of hallway, and you go into the old place. And it's quite similar to how it was before, but I don't think it's got quite as many games in there as it was. Because it seemed a bit mm. more open, so you can sort of go in there and sit and drink and eat and do stuff in there, as well as play games all the way through the hall and into the, the, the newer place, which has got older games as well. So it's really it really looks really, really nice, actually, and it's, it's a, a nice addition to the main place. 
I had a quick go on Dig Dug. First go in a long time, 325,000. Thank you very much, high score. Oh, yeah. It's not bad. Not it's bad right. for me. So I'm not too rusty. And I, I played on their Cuba. They had a proper Cuba there. I obviously had a go Cuba because I love Cuba. I got my little Cuba cab as well. I did. And they had a Monroe stick in it for some reason. That's a bit bonkers. You know the Monroe sticks that sort of work on a pivot? So it's sort a circular stick, isn't it? It's circular circular stick. It's like, it's like you're sort of stirring a pot with your hand. But yeah. they can work as normal joysticks. But when you spin it, it sort of moves, the ball moves around because it's going on a pivot. And it was just, it, it was almost impossible to play it. You kept falling off. I don't know why they put that joystick in that game. It's just bizarre. All they need is four way in there, set to 45 degrees. It's that simple. Yeah. Other than that stick faux pas, every machine I played in there was perfect. The screen was lovely. The joystick and buttons worked. It was absolutely brilliant. And the stupid ass wizard on Kung Fu Master that killed me to death on level four, five, whatever it is. I hate that wizard. That's the only hard, hard part of the game. Yeah, there's a bit of a random element with him, isn't there? You can, if you can get up to him... And you can kill him pretty quick, but sometimes it's hard getting reaching him in it. Well, yeah, when you get past, I've got to improve the butterfly level because on the butterflies you can kill all the butterflies that shoot that, that go to you. Mm. There is a position where you can you can get every single one, so you, you can get rid of them quite quick if you know which you know jump, duck, punch, kick, all that sort of stuff to get rid of them. But I'm not. What I try and do is just run through them as quickly as possible. But they, they take loads of your health on. When you get to that stupid wizard at the end, if he gets you once, you've had it normally. Mm. Stupid wizard. Another day during the week, Kevin actually took most of the day off to drive me around a bunch of the Goodwills, which is like the, the huge charity shops in America. They're massive. Yeah. Like the size of a department store. They're huge. And we were looking for console and computer stuff. Uh, and he also showed me a, a load of good console shops. One shop we were looking for. The sat-nav got us going up this cul-de-sac in a road. He's like, this isn't it. Obviously, it's taken us the wrong way, sort of thing. And we noticed on the, on the map, because he's got a Tesla, so it's got a really big screen in there, because most of the car is displayed on the screen. All, all the bits for the car is on the screen. And it showed a little <laughs> road behind this big road. And I thought, it must be, there must be a road behind this house or something. So we sort of drove out a little bit, and so I'm going to phone the guy up. We phoned him up and said, you know, we're looking for your we're a shop. We, we, he's taking this to a cul-de-sac. He said, yeah, that's that's it. Like what? He's like, yeah, the shop is in my garage. And what it was, he had a shop, and I think he'd lost the lease on the shop or something. He was moving shops, and he put all the stuff in his garage at home. So he just looked around his double double garage. He had loads of really really cool stuff as well. Uh, but I did <laughs> find I think he he did have some dog bone nesses, but they were going to be quite expensive, I think. And he hadn't had look, a chance to look at them yet. But they do go for. I think he obviously knew the price of the things. He was a shop. So obviously there's a bit more price to them. But he didn't have any to sell me, unfortunately. So the highs of Portland, Oregon, obviously being there and being with people I like was absolutely lovely. But at the show, um, I played a Lazarian cabinet. That's a weird little mm-hmm. game. It's, it's really odd, old, a bit kooky, but fun. It's a joystick and four buttons. So you've got up, down, left, and right fire. Kind of, kind of like a twin stick, but with buttons on the right-hand side rather than a joystick. Yeah, vague. I remember the marquee being really nice. Didn't we play this at Galloping Ghost? I know they have it. They've got an upright, a, a full-size upright. I think we played it, and I think we thought, oh, this is rubbish, don't bother with it. But I actually got into it, and it's a really cool multi-shooter game. It's really odd, but fun. 
And the cabaret is version it? which they had there is absolutely midway. lovely. Is it midway it's a midway game. game. And it's a midway cabinet, yeah. similar to Gallagher and Ms. Pac-Man and a few other games in that shaped cabinet. It's an absolutely gorgeous cabinet. And if I could have stolen that cabinet, I would have done. It was that nice. In your back pocket. Yes. Spectre cabinet, that was a lot of fun to play. Kangaroo, loved playing a full-size kangaroo. I know it's a rubbish game, but I really like it still. The Alien, Va- Alien Invader ca- uh, table cabinet, which is now Sarah's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the massive vendor hall. That was just, it was unreal how big it was. I can imagine some of our friends, people like Bobby Idod, he'd have a heart attack going in there. He'd love to go <laughs> in there. So yeah. one day, Bobby, we're going to take you there, son. When I, win the, when I win the millions on the lottery or whatever, I'll take you there. A couple of regrets I had from there. I wish I had more time to hang out with Whitney. Uh, but hopefully he'll be visiting the UK next year again. And Alex and I will definitely take him up to Arcade Club. We'll have a bit of a shindig up there for him. Oh, that'd be cool. Mr. Kevin Savitz uh, drove me to a place called Surplus Gizmos. Uh, this was out of town. Uh, it's got half an hour out of town. And it sells like project parts. So lots of um, mechanical and electronic parts for, for hobbyists. So I could have just mm. spent all day buying bits and bobs for, you know, just making things. But they changed their flipping open hours, didn't they? They weren't open on that day. So we got all that way and realised, I think, like two weeks before, they changed their opening times. I don't think they'd updated on the website. <laughs> really annoying. I said to him, you should just break in and steal a load of stuff. But he wouldn't. He's a very honest man. Kevin did take me to a place called Free Geek. I spoke about this the last time I went to Portland. And it's an amazing shop, which is a non-profit shop that takes on... Uh, donations and what they do is they sell bits cheap to people like students and people mm-hmm. on lo- lower income so they can have a computer and do work and that sort of stuff and they do some real cool bargains they have loads of old stuff sort of like not obsolete parts or they do have obsolete parts or but bits you know you sort of might think oh i need a cable or i need this or whatever and they do bits really cheap they sell stuff for non-profit and i bought about eight micro sd cards and the cards were 25 cents a gigabyte yeah so i bought a bunch of one gig ones because they're really good for like ever drives and you know these sd card things for for consoles which don't need a lot of space i think the yeah. biggest one i bought was a 16 and that was dollars something. four not dollars a lot. four dollars yeah. it's nothing absolutely nothing so i bought a bunch of those i wish i got to the bathcade party on the saturday night it sounded awesome james told me how much I missed out on the Sunday. I was really annoyed about that. But I did feel rough. I wouldn't have been much company there, to be honest with you. I wish I'd played the massive collection of consoles that were on offer. There was, I didn't even look around them. I never enough time to look around them. You know, usually there's tons and tons of things you wish you played. I wish I'd got to play yeah. some of the odder American consoles, you know, like the Emerson Arcadia and the 5200 and that sort of stuff, which I've not really played before. But I didn't have the chance to look around. I sort of walked through the, the area once, and that was it. I don't think there's just enough time, to be honest. But if I'd stayed later and I wasn't so tired, you know, getting there the day before or the night before and having like seven hours worth of sleep, I would have, you know, preferred it. I did have a play. Um, oh, one thing I played, actually, which is actually a high, not a regret at all. I played um, a homebrew pinball table, a homebrew one called Proto One. And what it is, someone got hold of, really clever, they got hold of um, a Pinball 2000, you know, like um, the Star Wars Episode 1 or the Revenge from Mars. Yeah. The one with the yeah. screen in it that projects down. And they'd done some projections on... There was a really, really basic table. There's no artwork on the table at all. It's just a, a really sort of white wood table. 
you know, sort, mm. of, sort of light coloured wood, and no graphics on the on the table at all. But then this little orange, he looked like a Pikachu kind of thing with like two, with like four eyes, and he was projected onto the table. So you had to hit him, there was a projection of him on the table, and he moved around, and you had to hit him in certain places. It was a really cool little thing. So they'd done all the the hardware and the graphics and the software and the gameplay for it from scratch. Really clever. Really clever stuff. I like it when people do odd things. I think it's a one-off as well. That's what's called Proto One. That was a really nice game. So all in all, an absolutely wonderful trip. I I totally encourage everyone to go to Portland, Oregon. And also go to... uh, Oh, what's the places in Oregon I like? Bend was a really good place. Oh, I can't remember the name of the other places, but there's a bunch of arcades in the different towns around Portland. So it's well worth doing a trip around there. Well worth it. Did you go to any foodie foodie places for wife? Oh, lots of foodie places. We went to Tasty and Older, which is a really cool place. We went to Screen Door. Le Pigeon is a, a magnificent restaurant. It's so good. And we've been there three times now. And the guy who looks after you there, he recognised us the two times we went again. He recognised us like three years later and we asked for him by name and he remembered us. That's how cool yeah. that place is. Yeah, really, really good. That was an excellent place to have dinner in. We also had biscuits and gravy at um, Pine Blueberry Biscuits. Blueberry muffins, you said. Oh, yeah, we had we had a biscuit. It was actually a blue uh, blueberry biscuit. It was like a sweet biscuit for breakfast. Muffin. Muffin. It looked like a muffin, but it was flat and harder. <laughs> oh, lovely, mate. So the food in Portland, I think, is probably the best on the planet. Seriously. I've eaten in a lot of nice restaurants, but combined into one area, Portland has it all. Because they've got like voodoo donuts, which do these comedy-sized donuts with different characters and stuff. And they also got a thing called Blue Star Donuts, which is the best donut I've ever eaten in my life. It's better than voodoo, but voodoo's got a lot of silliness to it and like it's a fun place to go to to visit. But Blue Star is a serious donut. It's amazing. And my favourite one is a passion fruit donut. If you ever want to get on the right side wow. of me, get me a passion fruit donut. Can it be a doner kebab with salad, garlic sauce? I don't like garlic, so no. On a naan bread from Mega Munch Blackburn. Oof! I've been there, and it 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 wheeze all over Mega Munch. <laughs> Portland has got so many good places to eat. They've got food trucks. We went to a place, uh, a breakfast taco food truck, which is, oh, God, they had these pulled pork tacos for breakfast. Oh, sorry, tacos. I got in, I got into trouble for calling them a taco. It's a taco. And we, we, we ate there, like Donner kings meat. and queens, honestly. So good. Do they have doner meat there? Not really. Don't really do doner. Well, they, they, they have gyros or gyros, which is I think is a doner mm. kebab. I, don't, I never had one, actually, because when, when you're in Portland, you don't mess around with kebabs when there's so much other stuff on. So, no. Mm. Really good, though. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I will be back in a few years' time, I expect. But Lovely. Ne- next year, I can't go to America. I don't think so, because I should be going to Japan next year. It's our 10th wedding anniversary. Not ours, mine and my wife's. Right. <laughs> what, should we do for our f- what should we do for our fifth podcast anniversary? That must be coming up soon, isn't it? It's, or is that past? It could have been. Uh, 2014, September, October. I Yeah, we've missed it. Oh, no. What should we do? Should, should we, we go to the Munchbox in <laughs> Blackburn? It's a mega munch. Yeah, mega munch. Or, or there's a there's a new kid on the block called Pyramids. They're oh. really good. Well, we'll they're, do they're... something. Well, we'll have to postpone it a bit because I went to America. Oh, uh, where are we going to go back to Galloping Ghost? I do want to. 
but I don't think it'd be next mm. year. It might be the year after, perhaps. Oh. And I would like to go to Grinkfest as well, but that's a long way to go. Oh, I don't know. We'll work it out. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Recent pickups. I've been buying stuff, Sean. Oof. I've actually been buying stuff and been given stuff. So, first things first, I got given another, another Pac-Man Quarter Arcade to take to PRGE from the wonderful Numbskulls. And I left it there. I gave it to the guy, Matt, who helped me out. Nice of him. Nice of you. I also got a Quarter Arcade Galaga to take to PRGE, which I took home again. I wasn't actually Mm. supposed to give it to someone, but I think I gave that one to the guy and I'll possibly better keep this one for myself. I will do a video on this Gallagher and it's pretty good. Pretty good. Mm. I got a bunch of hats, key rings, floor mats, badges. I'll give you some if you like from the Numbskull people as well. They're really good. Loads of little flicky things to play with. Oh, I got some Intellivision carts. You know, I've been after Pac-Man for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. I got it. $2. No, $5 it was. And I also got Bump and Jump, which is another arcade in television game I haven't got, for $2. And Kevin Savitz gave me Hover Force, which is a game I haven't got. He had two of them in his selection. He had nearly all the games for Intellivision. He had loads of them. And Hover Force was I don't know what that before. is. What's, what's that? In television? No, Hover, Hover Force. It's like a helicopter game. It was a later game. It was released in 1986 in television. I think it was oh. when INTV took over. So it was a later game. I only had a quick look at it to make sure it works okay. But it seems pretty good. I got a Truxton 2 PCB. Now, it's not mine. It's actually Garen's. Of our GDS fame. And last one, I saw him at the Cambridge Do. I took it off mm-hmm. him. He he had a problem with it. When he plugged it in, he said he could smell burning on his cab. So he unplugged it quickly and never played it again. And he gave it to me just to check out. And I had a quick go of it. And it seems fine. Maybe, maybe he had his, his um, voltages up or something. I don't know. But it just seems like a rubbish Mega Drive game. Yeah, it's just it just you know that 16-bit graphics of early 16-bit graphics it looks yeah. like that and it's yeah I just don't I hate I don't like it at all I think it's rubbish oh I also got the untitled goose game for the switch <laughs> they've been on about it at work it's bonkers it's absolutely, it's absolutely bonkers, but it does look quite fun really it's quite a quick game there's only a few levels to do on it uh and if you don't know about it already, you're an annoying goose and you've got to do naughty things like pinch stuff, annoy people, scare them. It's, it's just silly, but it's, it's absolutely sublime. It's so clever. It's so simple. It's brilliant. And I finished the, the main controls game. controls are like wander around, flap your wings and honk. Is it something like that? That's the control. And pick stuff up. You can grab stuff with your beak. You can bend down to get low stuff with your beak. Honk. And, yeah, flap your wings. I think flap your wings just scares people a little bit. Yeah. You've got to do all sort of little tasks. It tells you, like, the little tasks, and you just cross them off your list. But some of them you've actually got to think about a little bit. So I, mm. I finished the main part of it. There's, like, three or four levels you do. But then when you do that, bit, you sort of get credits at the end, and then you get another list to do. And I think after you've done that list, which is a bit harder to do, then you get a speed list. You've got to do different levels in a certain amount of time, which I'm not really bothered with. But I'm still going through... The second list at the moment. It's, it's really good. A lot of fun. I also bought a game also for Switch called Bastion. It was on cheap on my list, so I thought I'd get it. I had a quick play on the game, on the plane. Meh, it was a bit dark. I think it'd be better on a bigger screen. It's sort of like a sort of hack and slash run around isometric kind of thing. 
it seems quite good, but um, I, it was not yeah. very good on the plane. Too too small a screen for the plane. I've also had a five and a half inch black and white TV. Remember the other one got smashed up in the post because the people yeah. the people I bought off on eBay only put one slice of bubble wrap around it on a CRT television. Mm. That's so stupid. But this one came in like two boxes with loads of polystyrene around it in the original box, and it, it came okay. Now, I've got plans for this thing, and recently I've been super inspired by following someone called, let me try and get his name right, Löwe Hulten. He is from, yeah. from Sweden, and he's been in a lot of the sort of Twitter news and, and the, the nerdy news lately. He's made a lovely Famicom PVM mashup. He's made, you know, the PVM screens, the like the I've, inch screens. I've seen it, yeah. Isn't Very it beautiful? Good. And you put this, you put the, the cartridges on the front of it, and it's got two little pop out wireless Famicom controllers, and it's absolutely gorgeous. So I went onto his Instagram, I follow him on Instagram now, and I went onto his website, and I saw loads of other things. I think he was the guy who did the little suitcase emulation station. So you, the the joystick knob is actually the the handle. So you unscrew the handle, you flip the lid open. There's a screen in there. Look, it's an LCD screen, but it, it's been sort of curved to look like a CRT, and it's got like yeah. old fashioned knobs on it. And you you've got like a little you, you you screw the joystick into the joystick part, and you've got like buttons so you can play games on it. And then when you finish, you shut it up, put the thing back on, and carry it away. And he's done a few of those, and he's done he's done modular synths. Oh, honestly. Go on the website and look at his site. It's some of the stuff he's done is absolutely amazing. I was in the bath last night looking at the videos. Absolutely beautiful. He's he's an artist and a maker, but mainly an artist. His stuff is is absolutely phenomenal. And I don't use that word lightly. I really don't. Mm. So that that Famicom PVM looks like a lost Japanese console from 1984. It really does look the piece. It's so good. Does the, do you store the cartridges in the top down the yes, back? Yes, you just pop them in the on the top. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, yeah. obviously, the, the cartridges for the Famicom were smaller and really colourful. They did they didn't just do mm. the grey big things like the slices of toast we got. They did, did little coloured ones. Yeah. It is so lovely, and it's really inspired me to do something with that five and a half inch black and white TV. I know what I'm going to do, and it's going to be awesome. And hopefully, I'll get it done before the next show, so I'll show it off next time I go somewhere. I bought a Genesis three console from PRGE. Now, what is a Genesis 3, I hear you ask, Sean? I can see I'm um, in your face. I'm frowning. I've not heard of that. Well, you know, we got the Mega Drive. Yeah. And then the Mega Drive 2, which is a smaller, squarish one with the red buttons. Yeah. Well, in America, a lot later on, they made a cost-reduced version called a Genesis 3. It's really small. It's about the same size, a little bit bigger than a PC Engine. Right. And about 20-odd years ago, when I was still living in Weymouth... I really fancy when I saw them on on you know online and stuff. Oh, I really like one of those, but they haven't come out in the UK. They didn't come out in the UK at all. And someone was going to America on holiday. It's way before I went to holiday, so it's before two thousand and eight, way before that. And I said to them, "Oh, when you're in in America, can you get me this thing? You get them in. They sold them in all the shops at the time. You know, the WalMarts and the Targets and stuff. A Genesis three. I showed them exactly what it looked like on a picture. I said, get me one of these, please. They're about sixty dollars at the time." Get it for me and I'll pay you when you get back. Yeah, okay, no problem, I'll get it back. When I came back a couple of weeks later, I said, have you got the Genesis 3? No, because the guy in the shop said it wouldn't work in the UK. I was like, oh, for God's sake, yes, it will. Ooh. So I never got one. Mm. So I've always fancied <laughs> one. And when I was walking around the, the PRG, I saw one for $40. I went, I'm going to buy that. Sod it, I'm having it. It's going to be mine. So I bought it and it came with a little pad. The 
cable to put in the TV and a US power supply. So it's only like a, a 9 or 10 volt power supply. And I can actually plug it into a shaver converter because it's only one amp. And it plays okay mm. with that. But I probably will get a proper gen, uh, Mega Drive 2 power supply because that's the, the small one, the little yellow end on it I've got to use. But I didn't want to have to buy American cartridges for it because it plays American cartridges. I think it plays American and Jap- Japanese ones, but it won't play Euro PAL ones for some reason. Yeah. And I've actually, I've actually got two or three Mega Drive cartridges here and it played one out of three. So ones that have got country lockout on it won't play unless you modify the thing. I didn't really have to mm. modify it. So what I thought, ooh, I'll get one of these EverDrives, a Mega EverDrive, which I've got. I've got EverDrives for lots of other my consoles, which is an SD unit cartridge, and put ROMs on it and play those. But for some reason in the UK, you can't buy the EverDrives anymore on Amazon because that was like the main supplier. Whether it's a, a copyright thing in the UK or they just don't sell them, I don't know. But I managed to find one in America on the American Amazon. Sixty dollars came that day. So I've got a Mega EverDrive, I've got a Mega EverDrive X3 and a Genesis 3, and they look so cool together. I was putting ROMs on it the other day, and apparently you can play Master System games on it as well. But I have to do a little tiny mod to the Genesis 3 because it was a mm. cutback version. But apparently there's a little a wire link you got to do from the cartridge port to the main chip to enable it. And I need to find out some pictures and how to do it, and I'll do that. So I'm playing Master System on it as well. But it's a really lovely little unit. And I'm glad I bought it. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Controllers is good, are they? Yeah, the, the one I've got is like a third-party one, but it's a six-button version, so I can play like Lost Vikings and Street Fighters and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's got like an extra yeah. button on an extra three buttons. Yeah, it's really really nice. Really like that for forty dollars. I think I've got a bit of a bargain there. I got some. I got a nice little bag of stuff from Mister Island Pirate. He's been to Grinkfest, so he grabbed me a bag. He got a Grinkfest bag, a cap, glass, poster, stickers, drink coasters. He got me some DJ Arcade, DJ's Arcade stickers, which is his arcade. Uh, DJ's Arcade quarter dispensers, flops little coins out at you. A nice Rubik's Cube. And a cream of the crop, the new adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley. And Mary-Kate and Ashley get a clue, Game Boy games. Oh, they're great, aren't they, They Mary-Kate and Ashley? priceless. Who are they? I've heard the names. Uh, I think it's uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, is it? The Olsen twins? I don't know, some oh, kind of some Disney Channel. teeny bopper thing. thing, I don't know. But yeah. we, James kept asking people at the vendors if they got those games. They were just looking at him and laughing because they're obviously <laughs> little 12-year-old girl games, I think. They are my most cherished items, Sean. <laughs> I've had my will changed, so they're going to be buried with me. No one's getting those cartridges. Absolutely not. They are mine. Oh, don't blame me, mate. Uh what else did I get? Oh, and I got home. I got home on the Friday, late Friday. On the Sunday, our friend Chiaki, who walks doggies with us, she's got a beagle as well, Japanese lady, she picked up from her boyfriend in Tokyo 150 OBSF 24 RK buttons for the next 30 Vectrex Asteroids controllers. Oh my, it's a lot of buttons. I've put a picture on the website. It is a lot of buttons. It's three boxes of buttons. How many of them have you done now? I did 11 to start with. I'm doing 30, so that'll be 41 by the time I've done all that lot. And I've got another six or seven orders so far. And I'm going to do some very special ones for my mate Chris CMP. Some one-offs of a slightly different game. 
And yeah, I'll probably do some more after that. I'm going to start doing joysticks as well, using the same box, but a deeper box, slightly deeper, same shape, but slightly deeper. And I mm. do some nice little joysticks as well. You're still enjoying it, doing it? I do like it, yeah. It's just getting the time to get on and do them, really. Mm. So I've, yeah. done, I've done the hardest part, which is putting the, the holes in the joysticks. And I've put all the overlays that I had left. I'm waiting for some more overlays from Molly. I've put them on as well, which is... You've got to get them on without getting the air bubbles, which is a bit of a pain in the back. So when you get the hang of it, you can do it quite quickly. And it's going to be popping yeah. the buttons in, wiring them up. So I did all the little circuits already. And that's about it. And then putting the feet on the bottom. Bish bosh. So I'll be able to sell those soon. And obviously I've got to find... Bish bosh. I've got to find 30 box, similar sized boxes to send them. I'm actually going to buy some boxes rather than just use ones I can find here and there. I'm actually going to buy some boxes. It'd be a lot easier, I think, than messing about. So I'm just... Because if you get them all the same, exactly the same weight as well, you use the same amount of wrapping, they're all going to be the same price to send, especially ones that are growing mm. overseas. Because I'm sending a few to America and um, some in Europe. The Europe ones are a bit more expensive, and then ones in America are like over double that. So if I get them all the same weight, I'm not going to be surprised when I get to the post office and get different prices for them. Yeah. So that is about as far. Oh, 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 actually, when I got back to work today, extra, 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 when I got to work today, Two joysticks had turned up and a present for the island part I'm going to send him. It's a Vectrex thing. It's very, very, very good. He's going to love it. Oh, very nice. So that joystick is actually for, for your box I'm making you, which is nearly done. Oh. That's the joystick there, kids. I'm just showing Sean. Ooh, I like and it. I took a picture. I took the, the bottom off to take a picture of the actual, the, the actual plastic unit, which is all sort of the joystick part, has actually got written on it, Sanwar. And these are copies, as far as I know. But I've got they a feeling those bits are made in the same factory. So the little oh, printed really? circuit board, which has actually got Bao Long, which sounds very Chinese on it. I don't think that's original. But those plastic bits, I think, are the same as Sanwa. And also, it came, which is a bit weird, it came with a, a round gate in the bottom of it. You know, yeah. you, you get like square gates for eight-way and four-way when you spin them round. And you get octagonal yeah. gates. You get round gates. For games like Street Fighter, you've got to do rounded moves. You get round gates. But the weird thing is, if you pull up the little lever on it, you can turn it from round to round. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's got that's, the little lever. You know, you pull it up, the little helpful. tabs. and Because the idea is, when you've got the tabs on a four-way one, you can turn it from square to diamond-shaped. You pull it up mm. and move it 45 degrees. You can do that on this, but from going round... You go round again. I'm not sure why That's... they did that. It's it's obviously a Chinese thing. They thought they were being clever, and it's just weird. What mm. I'm going to do is print uh, an octagonal one for you. I, I 3D print octagonal ones. I did loads of them, and they, they work really nicely. So Ooh, we'll be fitting lovely. your box together soon, mate. It's mainly... Nice. It, it's going to be done, actually. When I, when I fit that joystick in there, that's it done. And I'll send it to you. Oh, that'd be lovely, that. Lovely. Ooh. Oof, right. Uh, have I you actually to... bought anything? Have you bought as much as me? I haven't bought anything. Well, my, my brother saw this bar top on, on eBay, and he says, have a look at this. It looks really good. And it was 550 quid. And I went, no, nope, not for a bar top. But then I started looking into it, and it's it looked really well made, really good, proper 18 mil sides and T-molding, and, yeah. and like a, it had a Raspberry Pi in it. So I thought, I said to me, brother, I said, look, really, it's like 350, 400 max. And then he says, oh, it's only near you. It's about five miles out of Blackburn. So I thought, right, right I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll go and have a look at it. 
so I went over and had a look at it and I, and I, I played it and I thought god this this is real quality stuff yeah and I thought it was yes yeah, so it's six buttons uh, all the buttons lit up uh, lovely track mode on it loads of loads of emulators loads of games the, the startup screen's great they mark everything's it's so solid and so heavy yeah and there's the under lighting led right lighting underneath the console you know if you switch the lights off it looks lovely so i thought i don't know do i tell me brother it's brilliant or not and then i had a quick go of it and it played well so i said it's expensive but with the workmanship that's gone into it i do actually think it's at the top end but i think it's worth the money wow and uh, and he said he said, yeah, I'll have it. So I, I got it there and then from the guy. Yeah. Uh, g- give it a good test at home. The, the, the buttons are too stiff for me. So so I uh, bor- borrowed a few micro switches from work. Borrowed oh, a bit. Yeah, you gave them back. But but when they went back, they were really stiff. How weird is that? <laughs> but I didn't put them in. I, I gave that choice to me, brother. So I said, you know, you can put these. It's very simple. You just slot them in. Yeah, if they've if they got it's, little tabs on, you can just click the tabs on and off. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. So he, I took that down when I went to see him and mum, and he loved it, and his little daughter was playing Sonic on the, on the Mega Drive emulator. And Super Space Invaders 91 she liked oh, on, the, on the MAME emulator and, and uh, Tetris on the Game Boy. But every, it, the attention to detail is really good. And they opened it up just to have a little look. Yeah. And I reckon the way you can tell a really well-made system is cable management. That cable is, management. That is true. And and uh, if it uh, doesn't have massive amounts of hot glue. Yeah. And this had, this is, it's got like a little, it's got an amp in it. Yeah. And then on just below the control panel, there's bass, treble and volume. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and really nice speakers. It's the best, it's the best built bar top I've seen, I think. Wow. But you've got to pay for it. Honestly, that is expensive. But so it, it, my question is, when when I hear these sort of homemade bar top things, the first thing I yeah. say is, does it have decent parts? Has it got like Sanwa or Samitsu joysticks? And the same with the buttons. The buttons were were lighty up things, and the joysticks, oh, right, like IL ones or Suzo hap ones, kind of thing. Yeah, the, the the joysticks were the the hap sort of baseball top things, but oh, I don't yeah, yeah. think. I don't think they're original. They might have been. I, I, I can't tell, to be honest. They, mm. they felt all right, but that's not a kind of joystick I like. So I said to him, if you want to change it for a looser ball top one, which I like for shooting ups, but yeah. he was he was perfectly happy with those because they, they are quite... Old school, sp- aren't they? That's what you've got in the chip shop jammers, yeah. Springy, you know, yeah. yeah. And he loved it, and his daughter loved it, so... And what was that- the lag like on the screen? Because it's presumably LCD. Yeah, it is. It's it's what you expect from a, a Raspberry Pi with with an LCD. It's yeah, you know, it don't compare to a CRT. But he couldn't tell. He doesn't play. He's yeah, exactly. Cor- it's good. That's yeah. that's the kind of people they're selling to, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's it doesn't. You know, it's no detriment to the game really. But we can tell. But I don't think he could. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? well, as long as he enjoys yeah. it, him and his daughter enjoy it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Think yeah, he's not- one of us now. One of us. I think his wife's not too happy. This is quite big, actually. Oh, really? How big <laughs> yeah. was the screen? About 14-inch LCD, was it? Uh, it's about that big. About that big? Yeah, yeah, that big. But. Yeah, yeah. Hang Did on. everyone get that? That big? It no, no, not, not, not that big. That big. Bigger than that. No, smaller than that, though. Yeah? That. Yeah, that's it. 
and there's all the filters on it. There's a slight curve and scan lines. You know, he's done everything to it, the guy. What I think I should do is get a screen grab of you going that big, showing your hands, and you just put it on the website for yeah. everyone to look at so they know exactly yeah. how big it is. Retrobartopgames.co.uk. Apparently, he was at Play Blackpool in the vendor hall selling this stuff. I, oh, nice I did one. see a full... I'd, I'd say not a full size, a cabaret size Miss Pac-Man in his workshop. Oh, nice! With two sets of sticks, beautiful artwork. It looked like a Miss Pac-Man. Then you walk up to it; it's thin, yeah. LCD, and it's got you know it's loaded with games. Yeah. Talking of Pac-Man and LCD, I was in Costco on Sunday, on Monday actually, because I had yesterday off. I went in there just to pick up some Diet Coke, big box of Diet Cokes and Coke Zeros for me and wife. And I actually got a chance to have a go on the one-up there. And you know how much I love one-up games, don't you? You love them? No, I don't. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I will have a look at this, because everyone's going on about these. And there's been some talk on the UK VAC Facebook page recently, so they're on about the Star Wars one that's coming out. And someone paid quite a lot of money to have the Star Wars brand brought over, because it's I think it's $500 in America. It's more money than the usual games, because it's got that different yoke controller on it. And they paid quite a lot of money to get it over here as well. And they paid extra money to have it like within a week as well. And I was thinking to myself, you are insane. Because it's, uh, I know it's the only way apart from the real machine to play Star Wars with the correct controls, with that yoke. You can't really play it any other way. Yeah. But I, honestly, I went to the one in Costco and it's a Pac-Man one and it's on the riser. And I think it's 330 quid with the riser, right? They haven't put them down a knockdown yet. And everywhere in America, you can get for like $75. They're nothing. So please, mm. listeners, don't buy one at that price. If you really want one, that is obviously up to you, and I hope you enjoy it, but do not pay full price for it. Wait a little while, and they will be on knockdown. They will go down in price. They really will. Mm. So I had a go on it. A, a woman was playing with her, with her daughter, and they, so they were having fun. You know, They weren't idiots like us who know what, what they're talking about. They were having fun on it. Absolutely brilliant. So I had a go on it, and on the Pac-Man one, there's only two games on there. There's Pac-Man... And Pac-Man Plus, probably the worst Pac-Man they ever made, apart from Professor Pac-Man. Mm, so yeah, Pac-Man, yeah. I played Pac-Man, and it, it seemed okay. It looks like the arcade ROMs. I actually turned it off and back on again to see how it loaded up. And it, it loads quite quickly. It's got a little splash screen. loads up quite quickly, and you play it. And it seems okay. But I think the joystick hasn't got a four-way gate on it. It's an eight-way joystick, so you can make mistakes with it. And it felt a bit mushy. It wasn't knackered. It wasn't broken. It felt a little bit like a sort of a loose sandwire or something, which isn't really the kind of joystick for a Pac-Man, for a star. The buttons, you're only using one player and two player starts, so the buttons don't really matter. They were okay. But then they had the, the Perspex overlay over the top of it, and I'm not sure if the actual production item comes with that uh, overlay or whether that was just provided to shops for display so people don't wear the thing out. Because obviously when you when you wear it out in the shop and people are going to look at it, they're going, I'm not going to buy that. It's all worn away. So I'm not sure if they're yeah. actually including that now or not. They should do really, because we've seen loads of those overlays been worn away, haven't we? When we've mm. seen them, they're always worn away. And a lot of the ones we've seen have had broken joysticks and buttons as well. And that's yeah. not after a very long lot of play. So I, I really dislike them. I really dislike them. They just don't look right. They look cheap. Yeah, this is not very new. They're not very good. They could have been a lot, lot better for that price. Apparently, I've heard that the Star Wars one is supposed to be a lot, a lot better made. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I look forward to having a look at one, actually. But mm. I know for a fact, someone has reported from America already, I can't remember where I read it, they reckon that the, the controller is cheap. 
it does feel cheap and plasticky. Whereas the original one was all metal construction and with thick plastic handles. And it's obviously got loads of gear wheels in there, like nylon gears and stuff in it as well. So I'm not sure how they've done the new one. I will look out for the next podcast if someone's taken one apart yet and I'll look inside see how, how it's bolted together and stuff. But I don't I don't hold out much for it. They're, they are charging more money for it. Because I think also, it's obviously a little bit different shape from the original cabinet and a lot smaller. But I think they've actually put a kind of moulded bezel on it like the arcade one. Because the old arcade bezel is really moulded, like got plastic shapes in it and stuff. It looks quite quite spectacular. And I think they've done something to replicate that. So maybe that's where it adds into the cost as well as the controller. And obviously, mm. I, th- I would have thought they'd have to buy the IP as well, which is going to be expensive being Star Wars. It's Disney yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, I but, don't know. I'd like to look at one, but I don't hold out much for it, mate. I really don't. Well, you will for this. I have got a new p- a pickup. Uh, my mate Dan went to Blackpool, and he's walking past one of these shops that haven't changed their, their stuff in the shop since 1985. <laughs> yeah. And he, he found this mug, and it, it says, Hands off, this mug belongs to Sean. Yeah, and and it's honestly, it's like it is from the nineteen eighties. It looks like that the writing on it is a sticker. It does look really shoddy, <laughs> and wonkily. Yeah, so oh yeah, said, it's have... wonky as well, isn't it? Yeah, it says, that's I perfect for you, Sean. Wonky. Yeah, I'm a bit wonky, like a rom, like a wonky rom. So he, he <laughs> said I had to get it for you. So that is fantastic. It's the it's collectible gift mug. It's so that's... bad, it's good. It's it's Blackpool Tastic. That's what it is, kids. Tastic. Oh yeah. Listener feedback. First one is from our mate Ooh. Bill Wellen. Oh, Bill Velham. I'm going to call him from now on. Just wanted to say the show is still great. Blah blah blah. Yeah yeah, we're lovely. La la la. It's my number one podcast in my list. Always look forward to your informative informative buffoonery. I yes. did improve my Mr. Do Castle to over 17,000 points after a little of Victor's Twitter encouragement. I did ask him to play more because it is a good game. Unfortunately, I missed the deadline. I've upgraded my original view of Sir Do's Unicorn Hammering Capers. I think it's a pretty good game after all with a good bit of depth and strategy. See, when you get into it, it's much better. It definitely requires good Ooh. hammer whacking and a whole jumping skills. But once a little blue beggar starts speeding up, it's game over for me. As for Magical Spot 2, how flipping hard is that? It's an early dodge-em-up game with very little room for manoeuvre. Accurate joystick is essential. Blinking hard, but I like it. Keep up the good work. This next one's from Soul. Do you want to do this one? Yeah, I might as well, haven't I? Yeah. Yay! I enjoyed Mr. Deuce Castle. It was much your unicorn. I'm a rampart ladder enjoy. Have you heard his latest oh, I haven't. That's another podcast. one for my podcast list. I think they're on iTunes now, so people yeah. with the podcast app on iPhones can listen to it. If you're looking for some Yorkshire buffoonery on on bizarre NES games, give it a chat. I don't know any of the games around about it. It's funny to listen to, though. I've got two games I want a guest with them to talk about. So if they'll have me on, I will guest guest speak some NES games. Nice. Jerry Levine. Jerry Levine. He's Levine. He's Levine. Fab. I rather like that game. I only got to play it for 20 minutes. Last night, I found it was, found it was on my Xbox 360 Namco Arcade Hits. And we'll get some play on that. I think he's in the map, Mr. Dude's cast. No, Namco, he can't be, can he? What is he on what about, that Levine guy? What's he on about? We've, I've, we've copied and pasted the feedback from Podcast about 7. two years ago, yeah. Tim yeah. Keeling. Uh, he's getting the prize for the oddest way to listen to us for some reason. 
I'm in Blackpool at the moment. I saw a new podcast was up. My guest house Wi-Fi wouldn't work. So I went to Coral Island, which has three Wi-Fis, and downloaded it. I downloaded the Ten Pence Arcade podcast in an arcade. You can't get more arcade than that. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Evoga, how dare you pick a game that's not on the Sidekick app? You just have to... <laughs> you just wait to tell my brother about this. I wouldn't like to be in your shoes. Oh, God, his brother's was... massive. Is he? Mm. Oh, damn it. You got fists like bags of toffees, he has. It did appear and magically on the podcast, on the app, though, after Ooh, that. Oh, yeah. DJ Rouge, shame there's no samples available for the ROM. We're talking about magical spot two here as far as i can find mm. anyhow i think a lack of sound takes some of the enjoyment away from the game i'm finding it quite therapeutic to play not sure if i'll break four thousand though Ooh, pixel advocate advocate podcast said this game is nondescript magical spot two rather dull and full of things that look like anuses basically Ooh. it's an 80s equivalent of nickelback <laughs> well yeah you can't argue with that nickelback the singer has got ramen hair this is a fact. yeah it's like a pot noodle just dumped out on his head. Does he put his head in, in a bowl of hot water? you got to put the sauce on first, then just boil his yeah. hair up. Lovely. Lovely. Mad Stee. Hi, both. Just wanted to say I'm sure the podcast is getting better. After taking a few years off listening to all podcasts, I'm slowly catching up and the quality is better than ever. Even though I'm still about 35 podcasts behind, I've started playing along with the current game where I can. However, due to a new job and a new son, the amount of time I have to play them is massively used from when I used to regularly submit scores. Due to time constraints, I've been making use of MAME on my modded PS Vita. However, not all versions of MAME on Vita allow dip switch changes. Therefore, I will make a note when I submit scores if I have been able to set them or not, as in the case of Twin Cobra. I played on a PC later on and confirmed that the settings and difficulty were the same. Hopefully in a few years, when my son is a bit older, I can get him involved. Anyway, thanks again for the excellent podcast. This is from Rygar. Remember the days when we'd endure 30 minutes of rubbish on the telly for a 10-second glimpse of an arcade game? Not now. We don't have to. You spoil us. In fact, the more I think about it, the more it seems you're easing our transition into a fully digital existence, ultimately as disembodied brains lined up in jars and laboratory shelves. Not laboratory shelves, sorry, laboratory shelves. (laughs) Laboratory shelves. (laughs) Laugh at your shelf. What's happened? Oh no, talking of shelves, I'm afraid I'm going to have to shelve my participation for the next high score challenge. Magical Spot 2 isn't my main, isn't in my main setup. Oh, that's weird. And I'm off on a holiday uh, Amana, so I won't have time to sort it out. But I'll leave you with this. Please read out in a pirate accent. Can you do that bit, Vic? You can't Possibly do pirate accents. Well, it's basically right, from uh, Port Plymouth, isn't it? Rygar is a big fan of pirates. He certainly loves his Cornish pasties as any go by. Yeah, he knows all about them. What about you? What do you know, eh? How many letters are there in the pirate alphabet? There are two. X marks the spot and R. <laughs> Please. We're not mentioning all those cease and desist letters that average modern pirates get from Nintendo. Ianski. Finally got round to catching up on some podcasts and had a good binge. Apologies for not giving you feedback on the Mr. Do podcast in particular, but thanks for the mention. Anyway, the standard's still as high as ever, and I look forward to the next one. I'll try and listen to them a bit more frequently. Oh, I saw this on YouTube video. I never knew Sean was involved with Rare Vector Games. And it's a geezer. He's taking a picture of us. Uh, a geezer with some rather rare games, like an Aztrac. That's a rare game. And on top of the Aztrac machine, mm. this guy looks a little bit like he's got a big beard, baldy head. He's actually got a box with holly on it, holly equipped. Yeah, some kind of components thing. What are the chances? Mm. 
I could do some components like, you know, stick some screws together and wire and that and sell them. Neil, 20 to 5. What damn is it? What? 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 Good evening, gents. Time for a spot of feedback, me thinks, as I've been a bit tardy of late. But rest assured, I'm still tuning in. Life is busy. Daft busy, in fact. And best laid plans seem to just run away like sand in one of those egg timer things. I have a sundial in my back garden, yeah. Mm. But enough of that. Let's discuss the elephants in the room. This podcast game, Magical Spot 2. A search of 10 pence hashtag reveal a lack of enthused comments. Whilst it is far from faultless, I actually kind of like it, maybe. But shush, don't tell anyone. Yes, it needs sound. And yes, the glitches at 2K and 5K are unforgivable. But there is a game in there, admittedly rather well hidden. Although I think it would work much better as part of a multi-sequence shooter, yeah such as Pleiades or similar, with this game being one of the few different screens within the game. Anyway, as I type this, I am at a score, and I hope to get to another score. We'll talk about that. And But again, time is against me. So much to do, so very little time. Looking forward to the next game. Please make it a good one. Cough, cough, pengo, cough. Have you played pengo, cough? I've never played pengo, cough. I can't find pengo, cough in my main, so we can't have it. Sorry, Neil. Uh, uh, Tactical Giles sent us a picture... Uh, I think it was on Twitter this, and you've done a screen grab of it, at Paris Airport, and they have a few of these little retro game stations set up with about 10 to 12 classic games on each. LCD screens, but they're all on free play, so they should be commended. I'll tell you what, I'd have loved that at the airport. Mm. My six and a half hour flipping way. I'd have loved to play some arcade games. LCD screens or not. Pass some time, wouldn't it? Mm. The damnable fiend troll now. Oh, here he is. Karate chump and then tragic, tragical snot. Bad things come in threes, don't, don't they? I wonder if the next game, we can time a two-week holiday to coincide with next week's 10 pence arcade pick. Benson Rad, listener number four. Great podcast. I only managed to have a quick go on Mr. Dude's Castle, but definitely a game I'll revisit when I have some time. Rather enjoyed it. Magical Spot 2, on the other hand, was rock hard, so my quick 10-minute session has produced a poor score, no doubt. My mate has a lovely Magical Spot cabinet, a thing of beauty. But it's only now that I've actually played the game. It seems relentless. You just have to keep moving. Friendly shout-outs. Now, the first one was from ages ago to Jason and all the staff at the Cambridge Centre for Computing History. Uh, Phil, Will, Ian Ski, and anyone else who helped set up the arcade experience event at the Cambridge Museum. At the Cambridge Museum was also shout out for Aaron, aka Gadget Freak, for his awesome work and all the PCB ROM software mods for high score saves and other excellent ROM hacks he's done. He has done so much unpaid work. The guy deserved an arcade sainthood. Resident P. He was the person who did my Ladybug high score save years ago and hasn't stopped since. Literally hundreds of enhancements to PCBs. His slice hardware testing kit is unbelievably amazing too. I'm going to give a shout out to all the RGDS podcasters and people at the meetup on the, at the club on Saturday the 19th. Kingy, the Drisk, Andy Godoy, John Keenan, his lovely partner, Shauna, Aaron White, Garen, Matt Lamborn, Matt Aguilera, and others. Chris Wilkins was there also, who also signed a few of his books for us at the shop, because, because we've got loads of loads of... What, what's his what's his company called? Retro Fusion. Mm. We sell loads of them in, in our shop. So from the other side of the pond, for me, Kevin and Peace Savitz for inviting us to stay with them and being awesome friends of ours. We loved hanging out with them and their daft dogs. I managed to fix Kevin's Missile Command Cabaret machine speaker for him because it had a little 
break in it. And we'll try and get a MAME setup done for him as a small thank you. I was trying to get his MAME setup for him, but just things were against it. We didn't have the right wires and this wasn't working and this wouldn't download. So I'm hopefully get a hard drive set for him on a Dell computer I've got and he can just transplant into his Dell computer and have a right. MAME setup. But he's got, um, he's got a Tron, which works lovely because he just, he just moved into his new house recently and had his arcade machines on. So we, we did some pre-flight checks. We turned them all on. Tron worked lovely. Battlezone didn't work. Oddly enough, it's a battle zone. Missile Command Cabaret worked, and it had the brakes in the sound every now and then, so I sorted that out for him. His cocktail centipede table works, but it wasn't going left very well on the on the trackball. I think it's something to do with mm. the, the size of the, the shafts inside on the, that rotate on the ball. And he's got a pole position, which also worked. Can you believe it? Oppositions never work, but it did. So thank you to those for looking after us. Now, James and Sarah, crazy Canadian island pirates. Thanks to James. I will never, ever get on a Segway. Never. (laughs) Things for him and her. Also, Whitney and Jim. Nice to meet Jim. And Whitney is as lovely as always. Arcade Master Quiz. Okay, kids, it's time for the Mastermind Quiz. Ooh, it's me. Ooh, it's me. You're going to make it hard one for me this time, aren't you? Yeah, this is all about, you know you did vector games last time? I did. I'm doing platform games. Uh-oh, I like platform games, so I should be good at this. But I bet you found some really obscure ones, haven't you, to talk about? Yeah, but I reckon you do good on some of them. Okay, let's roll the theme music and get going. Right, number one. What is the object of the 1981 Amanip game, Naughty Mouse? What's the object of the game? You, Oh, Naughty Mouse. Oh, I'm thinking of Cheeky Mouse. You've got squash mouses on Cheeky Mouse. Naughty Mouse. You've got to steal cheese. No. Oh. You've got to turn all the eggs on the screen into houses, of course. Well, that's what mice do, isn't it? Damn it's mice. Have a look at it. Oh, it sounds, it sounds like an odd one, yeah. yeah. Right, number two. The endearing, beautiful legend that is 1983's Dr. Micro oh, God. was released was released by which company? Which company didn't like Dr. Micro? Oh, no. Uh, it's a really odd company, isn't it? Is it UPL? No, Sanritsu. Oh, God damn it. What, Sanritsu made such a bad game like that? Yeah. They did some really no. good games. It's a classic. It's classic shit. <laughs> what character do you play in Jalico's 1990 cutes up Rodland? What character do you play? A little girl. Princess. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played it last night, give, so I should know this. I'll give you that. It's a fairy. Oh, okay. It's a fairy sister. Yeah, that, which who's also yeah. a princess, perhaps, and a girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll give yeah, you that one. Yeah, yeah. In what environment do you start the, so the first level in 1982's Spook'em Up Monster Bash? What's the first level, Monster Bash? It's a house. You're like a haunted yes. house. It's a haunted house, yeah. You've got I keep one. trying to get into that game and I can't get into it. It looks good, but I can't get into it. Chack and Pop, a 1983 game from Taito, featured two enemies that would go on to feature in which other platform game? Bubble which Bubble. Other... Yeah, it's an easy one, isn't it? 
I would have got that. And I, well, I would got it. So I wrote it. Crazy ostrich flap 'em up joust two was played on a vertical screen. True or false? True. I've seen the cabinet. True. There's an early eighties platformer called Eek. 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 From Magic Electronics. What character do you play? Is it A a ghost? B a roast? Or C some toast? Oh, I'm so tempted to say toast. <laughs> a. You know what yeah. you, know, you, know what you need to do, out. Sean? What you need yeah, to do go. is buy yourself a Switch, get Fuse yeah. for Switch, and make a game where you, your character is a piece of toast. <laughs> with eyeballs, with googly eyes. Like toast with googly eyes. Call it and you, Toast with Googly Eyes, please. Untitled Toast Game. You've, yeah. got to, you've, got to land, you've got to land on the floor with a butter side up. Yeah, never happens, though, does it? Never that, happens. That'd be a good game. Be a good game. One of the best shooting developers of all time, Sikio, actually made a platform game in the year 2000. This was a version of a popular computer game franchise featuring bricks, walls, ladders, and a little stick guy. Name the franchise. Bricks, walls, ladders. Yeah, That's I know. I'm trying to remember the flipping name of it. I play it a lot. Console, consoles and computers. It's a Broderbund well. game. Um, it is. Uh... Oh, it's a <laughs> really famous Apple II game. God, the name escapes me. Everyone's shouting at their headphones now, aren't they? Yeah. Wally Brick Ladder Man game. I'm going to have to rush it now. Load runner. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm such a. Did Sikio do that? Yeah, well, no, this was called Load Runner: The Dig Fight. This was the the like a sequel in like two thousand. Yeah, yeah, I didn't God know that. I just can't remember the flipping name of it. Oh, how annoying! Oh dear. Did anyway, number nine. What, oh, what was more. the main CPU in Tekken's nineteen eighty four classic Hover 'Em Up Bomb Jack? What was the CPU? Ooh, so there was Z eighty or sixty eight or nine Z eighty. Yeah, Z eighty. Yeah, well done. That's a good guess. What were the names of the Snow Brothers? Dave and Brian. No, Tom and Derek. You got Tom. I'll give you half a point. Uh, Tom and... Nick and Tom. Ah, yeah, yeah. You sure it's not Joseph Tom and, Derek. and, Joseph six... and uh, Julian? No. The Snow... You there. did well, though. You got six and a half out of ten. That's good six going. Six and a half. They were hard, some of those. How dare you? You did well, though. Oof. Didn't he do well? Aye. And now, a little break and a word from our sponsor. A pick up a penguin, a lovely big penguin. When you pick up a pop of a penguin, there's so much more to enjoy. It's bigger, they're chocolatey, delicious filling too. When you feel a little pathetic, what's bigger and best for you? A pop of a penguin. <laughs> so pick up a penguin. When you feel a little pathetic, I'm about to pick up a penguin. Actually, they smell quite fishy and may poke you in the eye with a beak. Mmm, bless them. Feature game review. Shall I take it away? Take it away, baby. This is Magical Spot 2. Universal, 1980. Not really a follow-up to Magical Spot 1, but a slightly different ROM version to make the game a bit easier from the start. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. It uses a two-way left and right joystick and one button, fire. 
It's a static vertical screen shooter, similar in some ways to Space Invaders, but with the early universal twist. It uses similar hardware to Cosmic Alien and has the same CPU as Z80. This game, as Cosmic Alien, has TTL sounds, no sound chip as such. This is why only a few sounds are emulated in MAME. I thought, when I picked this, that MAME had samples, what, separate samples you added to it, but they mm. do not. Not like Space Invaders and some of the earlier games. So I have recorded a game. I've Well, I'm going to record a game on my machine. I've actually got a machine with PCB. I will record a game some point and send it to the main team so they can turn it into samples, so we can have samples in the game. I'll do a video probably, and I can take the sounds from that, I suppose. So you got on this game, you got to shoot stuff. Guess where you got to shoot them, Sean? Right in face. Right in face. Ten out of ten. So a flying saucer at the top of the screen drops wiggly creatures at the top of the screen into holes in the ground. When they surface, they are giant toxic alien scorpions from Mars. Yes. If you're accurate, you can hit the grubs falling out of the UFO. This is wise, as they can't fire you and will not advance down the screen when they're dead. No. So when they do get into the screen, they wriggle down the screen and dive back into a lower hole where you can't shoot them. Now, they look like scorpion kind of things now. They, they, wiggle, yeah. they wiggle them out into like scorpion lobster type things from space, obviously. But when... I reckon this is the magical spot of the title. They they go into a spot like a like a little pixel and then oh. come back out. You could be right, or it could be a weird Japanese translation that went completely wrong. Yeah, know. magical hole or doesn't seem right, does it? Mm. In your magical spot, Sean. <laughs> if the alien creatures manage to get to the bottom of the screen, they dive down and turn into a chrysalis at the bottom of the screen. They don't hurt you, they just dive down, they hide in a little chrysalis that moves around. And on this version of the game, if you let four of them get in there, the screen clears, whatever whatever many you've got left to kill, the screen clears, and then the chrysalises, is this is crystalli, chrysalis, chrysalises, they turn into ultramorphs. This is not what Brian Haribo says, let the wiggly things collect the spuds. That's what he thought they did. They're going into chrysalises, Brian. They look, so, they look a bit like spuds or them. What are them wiggly, them nuts that got bits in the middle, like a dent in the middle? What are them nuts, not cashews? What, a nut? Monkey yeah, nut you're thinking yeah. of. The outer out shell of a monkey Could nut. Could be. Or a peanut. Yeah. So, on this next screen, you get a Galaxian-type swoopy things that shoot and kill you a lot. These these Ultramoth thingies. You get a much larger point value, though, so it's a risk and reward thing going on. You get four of them on the, this level. If you manage to kill all the Ultramoths, you finish that level. Just like if you killed all the alien scorpion things. Now, the second level, if you get killed, you've got to do the level again. So the second level now requires five chrysalis before the Ultramoths invade and so on. After level four, you get a brief cutscene telling you that you need to hit the red and white wigglies to turn them into the cyan and magenta wigglies. Then another shot to kill them off. Basically, two shots to remove them rather than one. If they manage hmm. to get down a hole again, they resurface, generated back to red and white. So if you a red and white one comes up, you shoot it once, it goes purple, it goes magenta and cyan, and it gets to go down the hole again, it regenerates and comes back red and white again. So you've got to hit him twice again to kill him. So it's quite a simple game. Very simple. For maximum points, kill all the wigglies, except for the amount needed to hatch the Ultramoths. 
then kill them off on the next level for higher point values and finish the level off. So if you get killed and lose and lose a life, then the game gives you a few seconds when none of the enemies move and they stay where they were when you got killed, and you can pick them off from where they were when you died. Especially useful when you have to hit them twice. So the points, a regular sign and magenta wiggly, 32 points. 32 points? What's that about? A red and yeah, white wiggly. Never trust, a, never trust a game that uses the singles digit. Just don't trust them. Yeah, they're a bit odd, aren't they? Mm. A red and white wiggly shot is 13 points, and then another 32 if hit again, totaling 55 points. Massive points, 55. A grub <laughs> is worth 60 points when it's flopping down. It's going to be quite hard to hit. And an Ultramoth is worth from 50 to, Sean, 290 points. That's a lot of points. That's almost as weird as the point values for the, the Phoenixes on Phoenix. Because mm. they're worth like 280, 390, 410. It's all over the place to score. I think it's random. Now, the graphics and sound on this game are really, really simple. Uh, they're really early. And I presume, because it's 1980, converted from black and white game to a very sparse palette. Similar yeah, to be. early CGA PCs, I remember back in the day. They use that nasty magenta and sign a lot. Red, white, and green, and that's about it. Oh, actually, the Ultramoths are wearing yellow trousers. That cheeky chappy Ian Cullen reckons he found sounds on YouTube. And this is what his sound sounded like. I don't think he liked the game that much. <laughs> they're very good. I think they're authentic, I'd say. No, they're not. The sounds are really quite cool on the actual machine when you play it. They're really weird sounds you can't really generate otherwise. So the mm. cabinet art for this is absolutely gorgeous. Them early Universal games are really sort of weird 70s LSD art. It's really cool. It's sort of like yeah, a, a Yes album cover or something. Very weird mm. looking thing with loads of lovely alien ladies on it and stuff. So you can have a look at the flyer on our website. We've posted a picture on the website of it. So the flyers are lovely, just as lovely as the actual cabinet. But the cabinets had art all over them. They're so nice as well. The cocktail cabinets are a little bit more dull, but the, the real thing is the, the uprights. Lovely. So there's only a little right. bit of trivia on this game. The Ultramoths are depicted as female alien beings on all the game's media and cabinet art, but do not look ladylike at all on the game. Rather mm. pixely, actually. It's all ladies. Right, we've got quite a few scores on this, starting at the bottom. One Punch Rob with 602. Not feeling any magic in this game. Not had time to play on proper controls, and it's just rubbish on a phone. Are we doing Chelnov yet? No, we are not. No, we are not, and we probably never will. Andrew Driver, 828. Oh, dear. Magical how? Exploding Pinball Man is just blowing up pinballs all over the place. He just doesn't care. 1152 had much better games than this, but didn't take a picture. This game is feature-filled. Paul McCaskey, 1280. This isn't exactly the best arcade game I've ever played, but why is it called Magical Spot 2? It should be called Attack of the Intergalactic Space Prawns. Mm. Buller, 1312. What a load of arse biscuits. Yeah, some of them didn't like this game, did they? Do you know what they all are? Idiots. Michael Hortman, 1,376. <laughs> Tragical spot two. No, no, no. Frank, oh, I'm going to struggle with this. Francis G- J. Kunchich. Kunchich? Kunchich? Mm-hmm. Sorry. So we just call him Francis J. I think you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1,509. Magical snot. High score. If I do it better, I'll update it, but that's not likely. 
Alan Delta Lima, 1856. Why, why, why? Mike Orwell, 2252. Tragical snot. Oh my God, who chose this turd? Where's the sound for, for the start? Where's the sound for start? Garbage. Next. Now listen here, Mike Orwell. I chose it. It's really good. And you were missing sound because you were a loser on MAME. That's what it is. Ha! (laughs) GJ Harris, 2300. It's not a good one, is it? Those garish colour graphics don't help and a lack of sounds. Just level start intro. Gave it a couple of guys. I think I'll stick with this score and won't be back on it. Oh. Ross, 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 2474. In space, no one can hear anything <laughs> ed horse 2819 why is it called magical spot 2 well we told you earlier son yeah not listening was he ed man stewart's from the time up arcade 3018 not feeling this soulless game two hours and i can't beat one of my first scores uh pixel advocate podcast 3038 uh, Sol, 3,084. Been away with work, so I had zero chance to get a score down. As a result, I cannot offer a deep critical analysis and then, other than it seems all read. Jason Barber, 3,175. Oh dear, they can't all be classics. Matthew Bridge, 3,235. Wouldn't come back to this in a hurry. Deadlock, 3,415. No sound on my version of MAME, though. Very off-putting. Just an odd bit of music at the end of the level. Mark What No Gravy, 3504. I might play it later for one last go, but then again, I might have my eyes sucked out and replace with hot toffee apples. That's fun. Ooh. Sal Bug, 3558. Meh, meh, meh to magical spot two. See what he did there? Ooh. Yeah. Magical. That's very good, that. Jeremy Riley, 3661. Magical Spot 1 and 2 have been gaming touchdowns with Victor, mentioned in reverential tones on previous podcasts, so my expectations were high. There's an addictive quality to this this way back gem, but it cannot counter the silence. No samples in MAME means no sound apart from the irritating tones at level start. All right for those with original hardware, but the common folk must search out for gameplay among the moon crystallite graphics and simplistic scoring system. Suggestions for improvement. Higher scores for shooting them in smaller form. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. Mm. Allowing some variance in level scores. Stop playing and go and play Mooncrest. Ooh, guess what I played at club? What club you play at club? Within 24 hours in the workshop, there was a Mooncrester and a Mooncrester cocktail. Did you have to play them because they needed testing? Yes. Yes, they did. Rob Ty, 3,673. Getting onto trading standards, there's nothing about this game is magical. Ooh, harsh Ooh. words, mate. <laughs> Dean Schmidt, 3799. Motivated by the podcast to rebuild my 15-year-old main machine. This game is really... <laughs> is this game really my reward for finishing it? <laughs> Troll Nads, 4,047. Improved a bit to 4,047 at Mark's gaff. Mark, happy dude, that is. Brian Haribo, 4,051. Improved my score massively massively by just letting the wiggly things collect the spuds and randomly shoot it. They're not spuds and they're not collecting them. Chris++, 4448. I need more bullets. This game has the weird name. is a bit of a generic side and shoot, slide and shoot them up. But at the same time, it's sort of refreshing to change to simple, very classic-y strategies after the intricacies of Mr. Do's Castle. But I wish I could blast a chandelier that's spitting out the weird alien scorpions. Anyway, simply put, aim well and don't die, just like life itself. Yeah. 
DJ Rouge, Tony, 4791. Although the levels I saw are a bit repetitive, I kind of enjoyed it. Didn't play it too much as I didn't want to go off it. Po- probably wouldn't have put more than 10 bob in it back in the day, but still an okay game. Bonus levels are bloody hard for me. What mm. bonus levels? What bonus levels? When you get the, the spuds, the egg things that hatch, that's, it's kind of a bonus level, isn't it? I suppose so. Rob DC... 5,092. Good scores out of 5,000. Really struggled on the two-shot baddies. They were re-tricky. Ooh. Mark, happy dude. 5,531. I I tried, Vic. Really, I did. Roll on the next game. Well, he did try because he had a good go and got a reasonable score. Thank you. Me, 5,781. Nice. Me, 6,228. Ooh, you flipping bugger, you. Ping. Bill Wellham. 6622. I don't hate the game. Probably much better with sound effects. It is. I think it gets too hard as soon as a little gits need two shots to kill. It's good to try out the dodgy old games sometimes. Next! <laughs> Ian Cullen, 6645. I think I'll call it quits now. The lack of sound is a definite killer for me, so I'm not sure I can give it a totally accurate assessment. Let's just say it's not terrible and leave it at that. Retro Mash, 7,288. Had another sneaky last game and got a new high score. Calling it a day there. Really enjoying this game. Yeah, see? The lad knows what he's talking about. Who is Jimmy? He is Jimmy. 7,311. I reckon the sound worked in MAME. If it worked, I might have elevated my rating from utter pap to pap. Substandard pap to standard pap. Neil, yes. 20 to 5. 8,316. Good score. The sound I can replace with a good Neil Diamond LP. What remains unforgivable, however, is the huge pause glitch at the Extra Life Stroke game score points 2,000 and 5,000. It's so off-putting. It totally spoils the game, and more than not, I die as a result. There is a little pause, isn't there? Stop stopping and starting! Yeah, it, 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 it just sort of kind of... It, it's like a, a little fraction, but it puts you off if you're like in the middle of a dodger shooting or something. But do you know on the real PCB, mm. it's even longer. Is it? Mame speeds up a little bit. Yeah, it seems like almost half a second on the proper PCP. But it didn't bother me because I'm skillful. <laughs> Charlie Farr has been very diplomatic in second place with 10.949. No comments. Didn't even like it and still got second. Right. Our bell of the ball is Steve Tyke. With a massive Ping. score, 14,989. That's over double my score. Start the left half of the peanuts, then move straight under the hate beak furthest right. Shoot as many drop in from the ship for 60 points, then hide in the corner, picking off what you can before releasing more pesky beaks. This game in a, this game in a nutshell. I like it. I'm gonna try did you see his, vi- out. see his video he did? No, I didn't actually. He, he was doing that, but he, you've still got to be really quick on dodging because he's, he's very because he's so good at centipede and these kind of shooters. Yeah, yeah, you've still got to be really good at dodging, you know, to to get to get those very well animated, aren't they? Them things. Yeah, I thought they wiggled quite well. So, ports and sequels. This game, there were nineteen sequels. No, there wasn't any sequels to this game. This is a so-called sequel already. We we just think it's because they made a second version because the first game was difficult. We set far too high. So the fir- the first version of the game I played as well. At the start, you get six of the chrysalis on the bottom, mm. and also you start with the the two hit baddies straight away on the first level. Uh, on the, the game we played, you had to get to level four before you got the set, the two hit baddies. So the two hit baddies and the six chrysalis on the start make it a lot lot harder. So I presume they just. 
I don't know why they didn't just do a ROM recall or send out some more ROMs, but they actually released a whole new ROM set for it and maybe on different boards, I don't know. But it was Magical mm. Spot too. Why don't they just call it Magical Spot and then, you know, just change it? I don't know. Mm. Putting a two in it, they had to change the two graphic as well. And again, when it says Magical Spot in the font, it has a two, like a one one behind it or an II behind it. So that's the only difference between the two games. I never mm-hmm. saw this on any PC or 8-bit uh, console, nothing like that. So I presume it was fairly unknown. Yeah. Well, I've, for this summary, I've put, I, I quite like it, but I like almost all fixed fixed axis shmups. Yeah, same here. Could, could do with more variation in the enemies and attack formations and a bonus level maybe to break it up a bit. Hmm. What the, the, I've just mentioned this. The one piece of baddie animation that is superb is that, that sh- it's on the attract skate a track screen as well that the you know the Ultramoth. The, that's that's him. Her they, How dare you? She's Henrietta, a lady. Henrietta Ultra Moth. Yeah, very good animation for like nineteen eighty, whatever it was. Not keen on the baddies disappearing into the spot or the hole, because that gets on your nerves a bit, but I suppose it'd be dead easy if they didn't. Yeah. But, and overall, I'd say it's okay. It's, like, it's just an okay from me. And I'm looking on Arcade Sidetracks, Sidekick, and it's got an average of 4.54. It's changed, changed the average calculation now. Okay. It's, based, it's based on a medium mode mer operandi calculation. Sure, sure. Yep. I yep. can see you going yellow. Don't do it. <laughs> It's four point five four anyway, so it's not it's not it's got under, a great Sam, under average, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's I'd say it's average at best for a a static schmop. I like this game quite a lot. I know it's really simple, it's a bit janky, it's old looking, it looks really, really old. But I like the idea it's a variation on Space Invaders and also a variation a little bit on Galaxian. Because when you get the Ultramoths come at you, it's a bit like they sort of swoop down like a Galaxian. They're quite hard to miss, actually. They, they get you really quick. So I like the game because I've got a, a Cosmic Alien wall mount. I've got two Cosmic Alien wall mounts. And I picked up a, a Magical Spot 2 board a long, long time ago. And I made a little adapter for it because it's a slightly different pinout to Cosmic Alien. And I put it in my spare Cosmic Alien cabinet. I've still got a board for it, but I just popped this think so I can play two different games in to do two different cabinets and I really like playing on that cabinet because it's got a weird little sort of nub joystick left and right and I've got these mm. weird big red perspex buttons on it like square buttons it's sort of lever rather than the button and I like playing it on that and I love oh, the fact is it sounds really good with those really weird old TTL sounds it sounds really cool and I didn't realize like I said earlier that MAME didn't have the samples for it, which really bugs me because I think people would like the game more with these weird whistly, odd sounds and really sort of bass, bassy explosions in it. It's really cool sounds, and I like it. And it's mm. a really old game, but I like the old games quite a lot still. I mean, there's not a lot to do in it. Mm. It's not complicated. It's simple dodge, shoot, dodge, shoot. But I like the idea that the the, the baddies that have been spat out from the top for a start, they're not just appearing on the screen. They dive down the hole and you're trying to shoot the flipping things and you can shoot their, their fire and they can shoot yours. And I like the fact that when you go into the second part where you've got to hit them twice, they actually regenerate again. It's sort of a little added... It might be a little bit annoying, yes, but it's an added extra to the game. It's not just simple shoot the things. And what you said earlier, if you get more points when they're small, that would be a lot easier because they can't shoot you when they're small. But what you mm. also said about 
it's a bit dull just seeing the same baddie over and over again. Yeah, it is. You can only shoot the grubs at the top and the baddies when they come out the holes. But I think if, if they were to make a little bit, make magical spot three maybe, make it a bit better, is every now and again have a weird little character turn out of the holes, just out of random. And if you get it, you get like 100 points or something you know, every now and again. Or one that you know, shot down the screen at you, like you know, fell down like the, the flea in Centipede or something like that. Something a little bit different, mm. you know, to sort of to take you out a bit or give you a bonus or whatever. That'd be quite fun to do. But what a yeah. lot of people who got the lower scores, I don't think they realise if you let the 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 little wiggly things, the the scorpions, get to the bottom and then jump down, they don't kill you when they jump down unless they hit you. But they they go in those chrysalis, and when you get them all built up, I didn't realise that happened. Actually, I didn't know anything about it until I started doing this challenge, and I've had that board for years. And then when they come down in the ultra moths. That's when you get the big points. If you can get them quickly, they're quite easy to get, but they move really quickly and they fire it in weird angles as well, so it's hard to dodge them. But I, yeah. I really like the game. I know it is simple, but I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's just one of those little odd silly games. I do like a janky game now and again. You know, a silly little odd freakishly thing like you know, Kangaroo and stuff. It's, it's really simple. It's an old game as well. And it, in the original cabinet and the original Universal upright cabinet is absolutely gorgeous. It was that stage of, of the arcade life where they had to bring you in with something to look at because the game wasn't really much to look at. Yeah. So the cabinets yeah. look gorgeous. And those those early Universals are the nicest cabs I reckon ever. And yeah, that, the that and ca- the Atari ones, yeah. Yeah, the curves on the cabs and the, the, the that you, like you said, the 70s LSD design, very yeah. good. They're lovely. Yeah, I love them, yeah. Right, next game was my pick because we had a month off because we were rooting, tooting, convoluting. Uh, we're playing rooting, tooting, also you, known as La Papa. Do you La know what I want to do with this game, Sean? Mm. I want to mute you and let me talk about it because I absolutely love this game. But I'm going to be a gentleman, a gentleman, and let you get on with it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> this is a Data East game released on... A deco cassette system. What a bonkers system that was. If you don't know what it is, Wasn't it look just? it up. They, the games loaded on cassette inside the machine. There were mini every cassettes time. as well, like ones you get in a, yeah. an answer, a phone answer machine. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very little surprise that there's hardly any of them left now. Mm. And at least we've got emulation to, to, uh, to preserve them. So, press F10 to whiz through the loading. Actually, I can't do that. It doesn't work. Actually, it does work. It on does MAME, work. On MAME, if you're playing this game, you have to wait ages, like over a minute and a half, for it to mm. wind down. Because it loads up. Obviously, it was loading off a cassette. Remember, like the old 8-bit computers? Yeah. So, MAME, for some weird reason, emulates it. They should just give you a button to press to skip that. But what you can do is you can speed MAME's frame rate up by pressing F10 normally, and on the version I've got, you can do it. And it really whizzes it along. You can do it in like 20 seconds then. So it's a lot, lot quicker. But why they they use that in MAME, I don't know. It just seems a bit weird doing that. Earlier versions of MAME, you only had to do it once, and then it would remember it. I remember oh, right. doing that. So the, the later versions probably more, more accurate. Remember it. Oh, that's yeah. annoying, isn't it? Yeah, and with with games that had the big, some of the shooters had massive countdowns from a thousand. Like I remember riding fighters did, and you've got to run that every time as well. Oh, on mine, my main, the last time I played Ride and Fighters or the Ride and Remix game, the one I really like, it only did it once and it remembered it. I think the NV RAM yeah. saves it. 
Yeah. But surely this is one of the better deco cassette games, apart from Burger Time and Lock and Chase. There are real good ones as well. You can obviously save state after you've done the done the sort of. Yeah, that's the way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's a four-way game with one button. And the cassette hardware uses a 6502 running at a measly 750 kilohertz. God. Mm. This, this is why the game may struggle a bit when you're parping the notes. We're going to have a talk about the slowdown. Oh! Very good. <laughs> it's a bass game where you are a trombone. Or a clarinet or a fugal horn. Collect the notes which shoot off the screen as projectiles when touched and knock out or remove baddies temporarily. You have an ethereal button, that's what I call it. An yeah. ethereal button where you glide like a ghost through enemies, which are all musical instruments. I thought it was a jump button, rather like Super Pac Man or even Pac Mania. I thought you were jumping over them. You know, in Super Pac Man, when you press the button, you go really big. I yeah. always thought you were getting bigger, but you're actually you're coming towards the camera. If you're looking down on it, you're coming towards because you're getting bigger. Is that what you're doing on this? It, it seems that way. But you, with your swirly brain, has gone, yeah, man, it's ethereal, yeah, hippie. I didn't, I didn't notice him getting bigger at all. Not bigger, but it's like you're jumping over him. I don't know. Are you trying to say it you're colour. turning into a ghosty horn? Yeah, because he turns blue. He goes from a gold trombone to a blue trombone and goes through them. Right. Anyway, so anyway, you can anyway. miss. You can miss ghost. You can go through ghost. You can go through the enemies. Put it that way. Mm. You can see a trumpety icon, and then you can collect that for an extra life. And there's also a power up in the maze that turns m- enemies into musical starves. Starves. Staves. Starves. 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 Are you, uh, right, not- let's stop. Hold the podcast. Put podcast on pause. Yes. Are you a scone man or a scone man? Well, da- when I lived down south, I was a scone man. But now I'm up right. north. I'm a scone man. So are you a scone man or a scone man? I'm in the middle of a, a fucking scone man. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of a scone. Anyway. <sighs> but yes, the baddies regenerate almost straight away from these little monster generators. The gits, swipe that 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 was come. That's come. There's a lot from Pac-Man here, actually, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do we know where that icon is? It looks like a swing ball or something. A ball on a stick. Oh, that's the power up, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a ball on a stick with a bit of string attached. I don't know what it is. Is that like a, an old yeah. a, an old fashioned toy of some sort, like a hoop on a stick? stick or I don't know what it is. Weird looking thing, anyway. But the baddies Go are on. there's a guitarco, which is a green guitar that chase you. They're worth 200 points when bumped with a note. There's a guitaro, there's a red guitar that don't turn into musical staves when you get the power up icon. So I've run into them a couple of times thinking they're going to turn into, you know, the musical bits. You can go and get them. But they're worth 400 points if you get them with your, your notes. Uh, triends is a triangles that lay pointy, sharp things down that kill you. But you can jump over them or blow them away with a musical note. You can remove them with a musical note. The mad phone, which is headphones with googly eyes, fire deadly circles at you at low speeds worth 300 points. And the big bad swine of the bunch is the Pianhaas, piano stroke piranha, mm. 
just evil and don't adhere to the maze. They are fast and unpredictable, worth the most at 800 points. You get 200, you get 20 points each for a note popped off the screen and 300 when you grab the ball on a stick power pill thingy. You can accidentally shoot the Energizer style power up too with one of your notes. Be careful to go around it until you run into it rather than knock it off. Yeah, and I've put here, it is the slow down intentional. Like when you hit the notes, you slow down as you do when you eat a dot in Pac-Man. You kind of slow down. Or the movement of the trombone is not a fluent movement as the trombone is parping, like pop, pop, pop. It's It's taking a a breath, isn't it? It's throwing the thing. Hmm. So we you, don't know. You've got a theory there, not. sure. It's mm. not mine, but I've nicked it off other people, but yeah. Yeah. So if you hang out and leave traps for the stupid evil orchestra, uh, you can try and get a bunch together, especially with the piano. Get rid of that tinkly fool at the earliest opportunity. Do not hang around the instrument's spawn spots. There's usually four spawn spots. And if you hang around there, they usually mm. they come back, they generate on top of you. Be careful of this of this game of collision detection. If you turn too quick and you're not enough away from a note, you won't parp it and could get got from a close enemy. So you don't actually travel over the notes. You sort of travel in front of them. And when you parp, it sort of knocks them away from you. It blows them away. So you've got to be mm-hmm. a good enough space behind them to knock them out of the way. And sometimes I turn around quickly when there's a monster chasing me and you can't blow them away. You get hit by them too quickly. So there's got to be a little space before you turn around. So get some space in between you. If the extra life icon appears on the other side of the maze, you will not get it. So don't even bother. It's too far away. You can't get there enough time to get it. Yeah. Now, this is a very simple, but nice and cartoony 8-bit graphics. Not as simple as Magical Spot 2, mine. It's a bit more colourful than that. The sound is jolly enough. Sound effects do exactly what they need to. You know when the extra life or the power-up thing or the symbol leaving another note is happening. Because when... The symbols leave extra notes when you think you've done the level. They leave, they keep knocking out an extra note. They make a little bump noise, so you, you yeah. know when they're doing something. You should, if there's a noise going on as well as the melody, something's happening, so you know exactly when it's happening. Now, I couldn't find any cabinet art um, because the deco cassettes that were really meant for converting other cabs couldn't even find a marquee for it. I presume it's like the title screen. I don't know. Never seen one. So ports and sequels. Um, I thought this was quite an obscure game, and I, I at first I couldn't find anything. And I never saw it on any home systems personally. But the Commodore 64 got a version, and it's been released quite early. And it's been released quite recently on the My Arcade Data East Classics mini arcade machine. When we talked about that a little while ago, it's like about a sort of seven inch tall machine, a little tiny, you know, the little ones you don't like because they're too small. <laughs> yeah. My Arcade um, did a Data East Classics. It's got 34 games on it. And Oddly enough, the day before we came home, I looked at one in a Target, which is a big superstore in America, and it was knocked down to $20. And I thought, I don't really need it. It's going to take space in the case. I won't bother. If I'd looked closer and noticed that Rooty Tooty was on it, I definitely would have picked it up because some other good games, Lock and Chase and Burger Time and uh, Bad Dudes and all that sort of stuff's on there, all decent Data East games. I would have got it if I'd known it was on there, but I didn't realise. So your character is supposed to be actually a tuba. But on the flyer, you're definitely a saxophone. 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 Trombone. No, you're a tuba. The shape of it is like a big old tuba. Oh, another bit of trivia. 
Mrs. 20 to 5's pet name for Neil is the Love Tuber. Wow. True story. I might not go into that. Final thoughts before we do the scores. For me, I am a bit miffed that Mr. Holly keeps finding these awesome little well-hidden gems. This game is brilliant. I really like it. Um, I've got a soft spot for maze games, oddly enough. Um, And it's a pretty original game. Obviously, it's based on Pac-Man like most things are. With the added shooting elements, which is quite good. It's got really goofy characters in it. I like I like the foodly doodly sounds. Uh, which adds to the quirkiness of this game. Now the Deco cassette system isn't known for many good games, but this one really is. The collision detection could be timed a little bit, but it's not a killer to the game at all. Maybe a few more power-ups, um, a temporary speed-up maybe to get you away from the baddies, um, a bonus round where you try and grab as many notes in a certain time. Something like that would improve the game. But mm. we're talking about a 750 kilohertz processor, and I bet it was on like about 8K or something silly like that as well. I really like it, and I'm annoyed that you found such a lovely game to play. <laughs> it's really, really good. Really good. What do you reckon? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think it's really... There's a lot of original things in it. You've got your basic Pac-Man thing where you go around and collect, yeah. collect the dots, but they're not dots, they're notes. And when you hit them, they fire off, and you yeah. can use them. You can group enemies together. You've got the you got the power-up, which is really like you can... It's even the same points as Pac-Man, and it? 200, 400, 800, 1600, if you can get the guys together. And there's 3,200. I think if you... Because yeah. later on in the game, you get a few more enemies. When the, when the piano turns up, he's trying to hurry you up a little bit. And I think if you get that, and you get the red guitars come out as well, the red guitars don't turn into the baddies, which is a bit of an annoyance, because you expect them to turn into this musical state that you can collect for the points, but they flip and don't. They just stay still. And if you run into them, you get mm-hmm. killed. Which is a bit of bit of cheek that is. That's a bit sort of um, naughty doing that, I reckon. Yeah, and you can you can use the ethereal button as much as you want, but if you use yeah. it too much, you're not collecting anything. You're just going around because you can't collect any. You can't yeah. use the note. You can't shoot the notes. So you're going to come out of the ethereal mode and land on top of somebody. So you've got to use it really cleverly, I think. But I was also using that, and it reminded me of Pac-Mania because when I was going around the corner, something you actually ethereal jump around a corner as well and get over mm. baddies so if a baddie's coming towards you you can just jump over them, but some of them turn round so you would be careful of that I think the symbols turn round quite a lot but yeah the, the actual whatever you want to call it the ghost mode maybe or ethereal or jump or whatever you want to call it is pretty good mechanic to the game so you sort of jump over something or float through them whatever you want to call it turn around and pop them with a, with a note really good mm. really clever little game and i'd never even heard of it before yeah I, I saw it a while ago and i played it i thought this is really clever have, have you seen talking of ethereal have you seen the men who stare at goats with george clooney yes i have well you, apparently you can r- run at a wall go ethereal and come through the other side have you tried it yeah i think you should try it right now sean i did try it it didn't go well but mm. I'm sure it. I'm sure it works. If you try hard enough and try persistent enough, and keep getting your nose fixed, it'll be fine. You'll get sure. <laughs> I have every. If I can watch it, I have every faith in you getting through the wall. So I think you should keep doing it and keep videoing it and keep sending it to me. 
Thank it's you. just self it's self-belief that is not a wall that is an ethereal plane of thing i love your psychology thanks for it no problem should we do some scores rudin dudin cavalin scores right this is the scores from uh, we had because we've not played it hell of a well was it two weeks but we didn't really advertise it a lot because we, we're still on magical spot we had yeah. a pretty good amount of scores starting with the man who blows up pinballs there's not a lot of pinballs left old ones and he's still blowing them up exploding pinball man six seven eighty paul mcgaskey eight two eighty this is surprisingly fun actually don't like the piano though yeah you're not the only I one know. the gits ed horse 12, 6, 20, one go. That's good for one go. Oh, not bad. Buller, 15,280. Don't like maze games, harumph. Hmm. Oh, Alan Delta Lima, 17,040. My first session last night. More more fun than I thought. I'll try to improve over the Bank Holiday Island. Bank Holiday Island weekend. One Punch Rob, 18,700. I like this one, but not completely sure what's happening. Had to call it a night at 18,700. I will return to this one. Michael Vorderman, 19040. Hardly any time to play this week, which is a shame as Rooting 2 in is fun. Uh, Ross Ross, 19600. Just got back off holidays. Feels like I'd do better if I had more time. I do enjoy a good maze game. Matt Neo MK, 24480. No time to play this. Really nice little maze game that's surprisingly fun. Shame about the slowdown, but you can work with it. Nice pick. DJ Rouge, 24,500. I think this maze game has some pretty unique mechanics. Great fun game. I like the game a lot. It's another I'll go back to, so thanks to Sean and Victor for putting me onto it. The sounds drive you around the twist, though. I know. I don't think they're brilliant, the sounds. I like the sounds. I think they're quite, they go with a quirky game. Uh, Francis mm. J. Kunchich. Kunkunkich. We don't know how to see your last name, Francis. 25,620. I found the more I played the game, the more I enjoyed it. Thank you for opening the door. Mm. He is Jimmy26060. Colour palette aside, I warmed to this bonkers game in the brief time I had to play it. Another discovery. Uh, you, 29,820. You know what I've got to say about that? <laughs> That's what you get for that. Uh, Sol. 38,400. Routine tilting. First few goes. It's quite charming, isn't it? Them pianos need a re up door, cheating buggers. Do you know, when my, I had to play this on keyboard because it, it wasn't on my cab. I don't know why. Oh. And it, it wasn't on a, a few versions of, of Maimon retro, uh, on the retro pie. It was on a couple of them, but not all of them. Is that because anyway. it has, it's, it's routine tilting, but the actual ROM name is Clapapa? Is that why? Yeah, the Papa, some... isn't it? Yeah, it's weird that it's got a different name. I, I did look for it. That I think we got Rooting Tootin and like Japan and that got La Papa. But... I did yeah, play the other it, version because there's two versions on my main. I played the other one, which is Clapapa 2 maybe. And the mm-hmm. only difference is, is the background colours are different. I think it's black. Right. So there's just different right. colours. I look it. black. Hmm. Anyway, Retro Mash 39700. Really enjoyed playing this. Haven't had too much time to play it. Reckon I could get over 50k if I put some effort into it. Interesting twist and a maze game. Yeah, I think so. Slow down gets annoying. Is it slow down? I think it because of the low powered processor and the way a lot of these other games were a bit janky. I think it probably is a bit of slowdown and a bit of intentional programming with the movement. It's not really but, slow, though, is it? And it only does it when you get in the, yeah. the, the note. So maybe it is intentional. I don't know. Mm. 
Um, Jason Barber, 44,140. This is a surprisingly good game. Doesn't look pretty, but has all the important gameplay. There is quite a lot of depth and tactics. Good choice, podcasters. And you, Vic, very good score. 48,320. You can say in your face if you want. In your face! <laughs> in your face, beardy fool! That was a genuine in your face. Good. I, <laughs> I really liked it. Um, I put quite a lot of Game, I had Monday off because something happened at work and I was told not to come in because the machines were all over the place. They were moving stuff around. And I was told by my boss, don't come in. There's nothing ready for you. So I went, yeah, no problem at all. So I had a day off and I played <laughs> some more games then. I really enjoyed it. Kept, kept going back for one more and it, it really got me. So I love it. Mm. Ian Cullen, 48,640. Quite enjoyable this. If only I didn't have a lot of slowdown. Or is that normal? Ooh, I slow down sometimes. Yeah, I know. The damnable fiend, troll nads. 48,700. Good score, troll nads. Uh, Neil, 20 to 5. He's done well. 48,780. I really am starting to like this one. Shame the slowdown spoils it a touch. Really interesting dynamics that I can't think any other game has. Yeah, some clever bits in this. Mm. Clever bits. Mark, happy dude. 49,340. Even after after the frustrating wait to start the game and then the added frustration of trying try not to rage quit after a quick death it's still enjoyable game and worth the wait I wish I'd managed to find more time to play it that's with this game you've got to be a bit careful of that if you do die quickly normally on MAME you just press F3 and it reboots the game and it doesn't take very long to get going on this one you're waiting another yeah. minute again if you don't hurry it up mm. Salbug 49600 I love this game Never have heard of it before. I'm so glad you guys suggested it because I'm really enjoying this one and it's definitely staying on my favourites list. Mm. Now, so getting into some really good scores now. Steve Tyke, 55-180, a surprisingly decent game despite its quirks. Uh, Brian Haribo, 63,400. Is anyone going to admit to quite liking this? Just asking. Yeah, loads of us actually, Brian. Loads of us. Rygar, playing on his pirate ship, going through the Caribbean and... With buckling squashes and buck- yes, Buck- buckling it's- squashes. <laughs> okay, you can buckle a squash, you know. Yeah, sixty-eight, one twenty. Ben Granville, good score, ninety-six thousand nine eighty. So close to hundred k. Updated names so colours are correct. Hoping to reach one hundred thousand by the deadline, but posting this just in case I don't. Ah, he's mentioned the colours. I wonder if it was different versions with different colour and Mame was reporting the wrong colours. I don't know. Still good, mm. still good. Yeah. Number one with a fantastic 140,620, which may have beaten the world record. Probably. Charlie Louise Farr. Yes. These Those triangles that drop the asterisk become the main hazard in later levels. It, it, we were talking about it, and when it gets real, when it gets later on, you know there's some some of the notes that you can't run over they're in the gaps in between the maze yes but you can still you can still touch them there's yeah, a lot of that. sort of go against them to park them yeah there's a lot of that going on and he's on level nine or ten at this stage wow and i i only got to four i think i don't think i did level four i might have done five or six but i got on one level where if you if you're taking too long to do the level and that triangle comes out and he's putting the little asterisks everywhere it's very difficult getting around the maze and getting the stuff because they're everywhere. And mm. the only way you can get rid of them is park them off the screen. But if you got rid of most of your notes, you've got no notes to line up to park them off. So it does get mm. difficult. You've got to get that level done quickly. I think that there's sort of some of the baddies, that one and the piano, are designed to make you hurry up and finish the level. 
Yes, there's a really good difficulty curve to it, I think. So it starts off okay. I think it's a really good game, really Clever. well thought yeah, out. Yeah, it's really... I think they designed the levels quite cleverly. Yeah, it's just good. Really good little game. I'm so glad you picked it, mate. You did really well there. It's a good one. I'm, I'm looking on Sidekick, and the average rating on the new medium mode mar- margarine is 6.48 based on 21 votes. So that's not bad. Rooty tooty, rooty tooty. Rooty tooty, rooty tooty. <laughs> I've been doing that all week. Playing that right. Game. Rooting, tooting, convoluting. I keep saying that. Wife don't like it. Next show's game. Next pick right. for next game is a listener pick. Do you know who did this one? It's Mister Neil Twenty to Five. Ooh. has he's been asking for this one. He's, he's been stealth bugging me. He just keeps putting it in conversations over months and months. Ah. Sean, how are you doing, Rodland? Yeah, that's Sean, it. Sean, can yeah. you just pass the vinegar over, Rodland? Is that yeah. with stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we're doing Rodland from Jalico, nineteen ninety. It's a, it's another platformer with a, with a, a. It's not a hammer, actually. It's a wand, isn't it? Yeah, she batters stuff with wands, and the other button. Make sure you use your other button. Mm. It'll help. Makes ladders. Oh, you remember now? I played this on the Amiga. Right. I enjoyed it. Let's yeah. get over this first. The mm. ROM is called Rodland. R O D L A N D. You're having three lives, difficulty normal, and the the uh, default is episode one in the dip switches. Mr. Charlie Farr at Revival showed me a bit of this. Was it Revival? Must be. He showed me a bit of this game, and he really likes it, so I expect to see some massive scores from Mr. Charlie Farr. Uh, mm. In fact, Charlie, if you're listening, we want the world record, please. We're sure you can do it? Yep. No problem at all. Yep. A few minutes, get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So submissions for this for the score is the twelfth of November, seventeen hundred UK time, and there's three ways you can submit now, or four actually, on Twitter with hashtag ten p score, on Facebook as a comment on a podcast post, on email, or if you're in the Sidekick app and you're on Ten Pence Club, if you put a score in there, we will accept that as a as a submission. Uh huh. And that be it. Thank you for listening, everyone, and join us in two weeks' time. We'll be playing Rodland. Hope you enjoy it. And I've had a quick go of it. I think it's all right so far. And I will talk to you later on. Ta-ra! See ya. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. download or play the podcast, read all the show notes and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 